Hey now, we are getting over, and I am the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, here to lead you through these hard times, Dada, with your ultimate preview of WWE WrestleMania 37. That's right, the Silver King is back with vintage Chris Vanini to break down the showcase of the Immortals, the granddaddy of them all, WWE's biggest show of the damn year, WrestleMania 37. And this show, as all of our shows this week will be, they're going to sound and feel a little bit different because the Silver King is on site in Augusta, Georgia, not at home, not with my normal setup. Also taping inside of a hotel room at different times of the day and night, so I need to be respectful to those around me. You may not hear me yell and scream and rant the same exact way you always do, but don't worry. The content quality of the Getting Over Wrestling podcast, you know, will not change one iota. We have a huge show for you today. We have a huge week of WWE podcasting. And before we talk about what's coming up on today's show, what's coming up in the future, I got to tell you about what is already so-called in the can. First and foremost, on Saturday, we came out with our NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver Ultimate Preview. It's a two-night card for NXT. It is a must-watch. It might end up being the pay-per-view of the entire year. And not only do I break down every match and storyline on that show, I also have an exclusive sit-down one-on-one interview with Santos Escobar. And if you want to know how good that interview is, all you need to do is look at our Twitter account, at Getting Overcast, and see what fans are saying about it. It has nothing to do with me. It's completely Santos Escobar. So I hope you all listen to that. Once you're done with that, this Monday morning, we came out with our second episode of the week, a special WrestleMania 37 interview episode where we speak to two-time WWE champion Drew McIntyre and 2021 Royal Rumble winner Bianca Belair. Another fantastic show. Both of them such great people. It was a pleasure to interview them. So please do not forget to listen to that NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver Ultimate Preview and the WrestleMania interview show. And whether you listen to those before or after you finish this show, this episode is indeed the granddaddy of them all. This is the showcase of immortals for the Getting Over Wrestling podcast. This is our WWE WrestleMania 37 Ultimate Preview. We will then be back on Thursday this week with instant analysis from NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. Vintage Chris Vanini will be joining the Silver King for that very special episode. We will be back on Friday after SmackDown for a special first-time-ever WrestleMania go-home edition of the podcast, just to kind of wrap up what happens on that show and give our final thoughts ahead of WrestleMania. And of course, Sunday night, as soon as WrestleMania 37 Night 2 goes off the air, we will have instant analysis of both nights of WWE's biggest show of the year. So we have a huge week of podcasting ahead. Let's get right to it this week. You know, it's the WrestleMania 37 Ultimate Preview, and there's a couple things I need to remind you before we get started. Number one, do not forget to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. And number two, when you have the opportunity, head on over to Apple Podcasts and drop a five-star rating and review to let us know how much you love this show. So with that, it is time for me to welcome in none other than Vintage Chris Vanini. Chris, man, it has been already, it's only Tuesday, a exceptionally long week for the Silver King. I have stories for days just from my trip up here to Augusta, nine-hour drive from South Florida, man. It was absolutely wild. I hope over there in Texas things are going a little bit smoother for you than they have been for me. 
Yeah, man, things are good. You have had a crazy couple of days, and I will second what you said about that Santos Escobar interview. I was listening to it while doing some yard work over the weekend, and I, I don't watch a lot of NXT. You know that? Um, I watch the takeovers and everything. I'll be watching it this week. Uh, that was a great interview. Really love that dude. I remember the last time I saw him, I felt like that dude's a, a future star, and I'm sure I'll be saying that again on Thursday night. But uh, yeah, a lot of good stuff on the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast last couple of days, and now we've got our WrestleMania pre-show uh, here. This is the big one. It's the ultimate one, the ultimate preview indeed. It's it's what we call it, right, after all. Uh, I will <laughs> yes. give myself for the Santos Escobar interview a 6.75 out of 10. I will give Santos Escobar a 10 out of 10. He he absolutely crushed that interview. Um, so, no, it was great. I, I do really I know that I need to promote those shows because we want you guys to listen to all of our podcasts. But I really wouldn't press it that much if I didn't believe that that interview was great. And the Drew McIntyre interview was really good. The, the Bianca Belair one was good as well. So I do hope you listen to all three of them. Uh, there is one thing I know you wanted to talk about before we get started on today's show to actually talk about wrestling. And that was my trip to a little place known as Bucky's, That's which right. for those of you who don't know, uh, it's called B-U-C-E-E apostrophe S. And if that's not weird enough, uh, it is a Texas gas station chain akin to a Wawa or a Sheets in some respects, but also closer to like a super Walmart or a visitor center at Disney World. It is truly, Chris, the strangest place I've ever been from a retail perspective. Um, <laughs> it makes me scared to ever even consider visiting Texas. And what I tweeted is honestly exactly how I felt. I've never been more shell-shocked walking into a place than this. It is the convenience store portion of it is probably like 10 times the size of a Wawa for those of you who are familiar with that. And they have everything from like a wall of so different soft drinks to jerky and homemade fudge and barbecue sandwiches all being made right in the middle of the store. And dude, I stopped at one in Daytona Beach, Florida, which is not a small city, but it is not a large city. There must have been, it felt like there were a thousand people. There were probably a couple hundred, but it felt like there were a thousand people inside this place. I, I got a couple snacks. The snacks were actually really good. I, I'll give them credit, but I just don't think I can ever go back there. Yeah, I saw you, I saw you tweeted it uh, the other day, and I saw you got a lot of responses. It's to too that much. Too. It's it's just too much. <laughs> and and um, I, where I live in Texas, we had we had one open a couple miles away, like uh, like a year or so ago, and it was like the front page of the local community newspaper for like a year, building up to it about the latest construction of it. It's it's a big deal when, when there was that stuff going on a few months back and. New York people tweeting about bodegas or whatever. Mm -hmm. I made a I made a, a similar tweet about Bucky's and, and a lot of Texas folks like that. So yeah, I didn't actually know they were all the way out there in Florida. I, I knew I knew they had opened up in Alabama. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm glad you got to experience it, even even if it was a uh, a frightful time. I have a legitimately tough decision to make because on one hand, like I have this thing called peanut butter blast, which is like an all peanut butter trail mix, which is incredible, truly incredible, and like corn these uh beaver nuggets and there's some cookies and the snacks are really legitimately good. And there's so many more that I haven't tried. So it's like, I'm going to drive home. I'm going to pass it. Uh, do I go again? And, and I don't know that I do, but I also don't know that I don't. So it's going to be interesting. One other you, thing you, I should you mention, know, you know, in parks and rec, when they have that child size 
soda, which is like literally you can fit a child yes. in the cup. That that's <laughs> that you can get you can get that at Bucky's. Oh yeah, you definitely can. There's like the uh, for anyone who's ever seen what was that movie uh, Biodome. They had like the bladder busters. You remember that or no? I've not seen that. I've not seen it. Man, oh my! I mean, this I'm is behind not, on movies. This I mean, is I not as offensive. That. This is not as yeah. offensive as the other one we were talking about. But Biodome is a classic, you know, crappy, campy movie. Um, but yes, they have drinks that big, and it's it's truly ridiculous. I, I gotta say, uh, not ridiculous though is what we're about to do, and that is our WrestleMania 37 Ultimate Preview. Now, before we get to that, Chris, there's actually a couple things that we should talk about almost as a prelude to the show. We can call it even our kickoff show. And and we'll talk about it in a very short segment right now. So what they have done is gone to a one hour kickoff show for both nights of WrestleMania this year. The kickoff show is going to start at 7 p.m. WrestleMania itself is going to start at 8 p.m. And because those kickoff shows are only an hour, it seems like, at least as of right now, WWE is not going to have matches on either show. So what they have done is taken the SmackDown, the go-home SmackDown, and we were pondering on this show, what are they going to do? Are they going to have people from both brands? Is it going to be crazy? You know, how are they going to build to it? Well, what they're actually doing is they've named it WrestleMania SmackDown, and it seems like they're going to use that as the kickoff show, as the show that will have the matches um, that would have maybe otherwise been on the kickoff show. So I find that interesting. I think we should discuss the matches, but first I want to know what you think about the merits of that idea. I, I when you have a two night WrestleMania, I don't think it's a bad idea. I keep thinking about if this wasn't a pandemic year and this wasn't a pre tape show, how how it could fit on a normal two night WrestleMania weekend. And I think mm-hmm. it actually could work out if you do that. You make the SmackDown before Mania like a, another big show. It's you can make it like two and a half nights of WrestleMania. Now I know next year they're not doing two nights, or at least right now that's not the plan. Um, but it's interesting, you know, we'll get into it, but the, the cards on Saturday and Sunday are not all that long uh, when I, I thought they might be. So if they didn't want to go overly long on Saturday, Sunday, I guess this is a way to do it. It is. Now, I'm just personally not a fan of it for a couple of reasons. Number one, they're having the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal on there. I think we can all agree that most years it's worthless. But you can at least say, okay, it's a way on the kickoff show in front of the WrestleMania crowd. Okay, let's also consider that to get these people some shine and give them an opportunity. And some of the winners, I mean, Cesaro won this thing, right? Like they're legitimate people that that have won this. Um, So now you're putting it on a SmackDown in front of the Thunderdome. So no one sees them. I don't know if there's still a such thing as a WrestleMania paycheck. I assume there is. They don't get the WrestleMania paycheck if that's the case. It just feels largely irrelevant. And this year, you're not even having a women's version. The, the, you know, the one that used to be called the Fabulous Moolah Battle Royal that they ended up not calling it that. So it just seems out of place for them to have that match. And then the other match that they're having, which is the first one we'll talk about, really the only one we'll talk about, they're doing a fatal four-way match for the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. Well, the problem with that, Chris, is that's actually one of the best built storylines Um you know, leading into WrestleMania, they've been doing it for like over two months at this point, and it's going to be such a good match that all these guys should be on WrestleMania. If there's anything that should have been on a kickoff show, it's New Day against AJ Styles and Omos. And I know you can't do it because New Day's over. AJ Styles is really popular and you clearly want to give Omos some shine. But I just don't get this booking. I would have taken this match, the SmackDown Tag Team Championship, put it on night one, taken the women's tag team turmoil, yes. put it on the the go home show. And it's not that the women shouldn't be on WrestleMania. 
they should be. And I actually think it's really creative of them to do the tag team turmoil on night one and then the women's tag team title match on night two because now we have two women's matches on each show, which is great. And we want more women's matches. But the truth is what they really should have done is built up another women's angle, something involving Bailey or something involving Charlotte. And I know with Charlotte, it was difficult due to all the extenuating circumstances, but you put that match on night one, you have the women's tag team championship match on night two, and then you're good to go. And you do this tag team turmoil on SmackDown. So I would have done the tag team turmoil on SmackDown. Um, maybe a match, a tag team match of some type to determine who gets to choose a stipulation for the Biggie Apollo Crews. I don't know. Like there's other things that they could have done or could have put on SmackDown rather than a, a SmackDown tag team title match, which I'm just being honest. I think it really deserves to be on that WrestleMania card. It was one of the matches I was most looking forward to. Yeah, of all the stories that don't deserve two nights of WrestleMania, the women's tag is probably at the top of that list. I, I, I right. mean, it's been completely haphazard thrown together Dude, at the end. Dude, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt. They, yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt. They could have done the same thing with the men, though. They could have had the other three teams fight uh, on SmackDown. The winner becomes the number one contender. They get a match at WrestleMania. Sure. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I, that's just I, I would have done it the way you did it. You put the SmackDown tag on one sh- on, on one night. You put the, the women's tag on another night you, you build into it. Um, it's weird. It's, but it, it's also what SmackDown's been doing. You know, they didn't have the intercontinental championship match at SummerSlam. They did it on SmackDown before. So it, it, it's not unprecedented that they do stuff like this, but yeah, I'm, I'm mostly really surprised and we'll get into why what happened on raw uh, that the, that the women's tag is getting two slots on a two night WrestleMania. Yeah. And again, it has nothing to do with the women. It has to do with the booking. It's, it doesn't feel like they've built it well enough. Like the Riot Squad are in this match and and they've been either losing singles matches or not on TV. And I love them. And I was complaining that I didn't think they were going to be in the match. The Sexy Muscle Friends, to my uh, memory, have basically lost everything and they're in this match. But it's like, so the only team that's built up here is really Nia Jax and Tamina. But okay, I don't know why I'm talking about that now. We're going to save that for the WrestleMania preview. The point is that turmoil match, it just... It wasn't built strong enough to be on the WrestleMania card, but there should be another women's. There should be four total women's matches at WrestleMania, and there will be, which is good. But the exact four are just not the ones I would have chosen. So to talk about this match, since it is the go home SmackDown, we're going to have the Street Profits against Rey Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio against the Dirty Dogs, who are the champions, and Alpha Academy in a SmackDown Tag Team Championship fatal four-way match. Now on SmackDown this past week, those teams all teamed up. It was an eight-man tag, the faces and the heels. They all cut promos before the match. But I thought what was really cool, Chris, is Chad Gable was the only one who got to cut a live promo in the ring with Otis. And it felt, I mean, they felt like a team probably for six weeks now, like a really strong team. But this is the first time where they looked like a team. Like they had the motion together. You could tell Otis was actually a little bit heel, even though we know he's attacked people before. And I just thought they did a really good job. And and for Chad Gable to get that kind of shine, it's what we've been asking for for a long time. Yeah. And and we got to hear Chad Gable say, when we peak, we peak hard. (laughs) Right. They're going with the innuendos. It's awesome. Yeah, that seems to be their thing. So, no, it was great. Uh, I've loved them. I've loved this team in the last, what, two, three months since they started. They were funny. They were serious. It was possible. Gable was tricking Otis. But they stuck with them. And they're a fun team to watch. And uh, I was... Surprised they did.
did this match. I mean, I guess I'm not surprised. I hate when they do this when it's like, oh, they're going to fight each other at the pay-per-view. So let's have them all fight each other right before right. the pay-per-view. Because right. it kind of gives it all away. That was Raw. Of, that was all of Raw this week, basically. Yeah, right? yeah. So yeah. I, I hate when WWE does that. But still always good. Uh, I'm always happy when I can see Gable and Otis get some shine. And the match was good, by the way. The eight-man tag. There was a lot of topes. Like Tope Con Hero, Tope Suicida. It was like everything nonstop the entire time. A lot of fun. Gable held... Montez Ford down at the end and Otis hit that middle rope. I think they're calling it a bulldozer splash mm-hmm. halfway across the r- ring for the win. He beat Montez Ford. Alpha Academy won for the team with, that had the champions on it. It was great, honestly, to see Alpha Academy basically be featured throughout that entire segment. And now we get that fatal four-way tag team match. And, you know, I don't necessarily know who's going to win. I do think no matter what, the Dirty Dogs lose the titles. They haven't really done anything with them since beating the street profits kind of randomly. Right. So, you know, it's fine. They've established them as a team, but that's a heel tag team that is basically made to lose the titles at WrestleMania. The thing is, I think any of the other three teams can win. Alpha Academy is probably the least likely just because it's heel beating heel. Um, But I would love to see them get the shine. I actually think the most likely team and the one that I will predict since we do that on this show uh, is the Mysterios because they've been telling the story of Ray and Dominic possibly being the first father-son tag team champions in WWE history. I think, I don't know when it was, Chris, but like November when they moved them over to SmackDown, you know, and, and did the Seth Rollins storyline. I said to you on this show, man, it would be really cool if Ray and Dominic ended up teaming up and, be, and becoming a tag team and going after the titles. It would be super cool to see them win the tag team titles at a big show like WrestleMania. And this isn't happening on WrestleMania, obviously, but I do think it is a legit possibility. The Street Profits would be the fan favorites and probably would get the biggest pop. But guess what? This isn't in front of a crowd. So I I think it'll be between the Mysterios and Alpha Academy. I'm leaning towards the Mysterios. Yeah, I'm between the Mysterios. I could honestly see all of them winning, like you said. But I I think I'm between the Mysterios for the reasons that you said and the Street Profits. Because it's going to be a crowd. Uh, well, no, actually, no, I take that back. This is WrestleMania. I, I, I keep mixing this up. This is on SmackDown. This is in the Thunderdome. There are no fans. So do they save that Mysterio moment to when they think they might have fans in the crowd? Or do they or do they give it back to the Street Profits, who, who are obviously the, the most over tag team? Uh, I, I think I'm going to. It's weird because Mysterios have lost a lot over the last couple of weeks. Um mm-hmm. They uh, of all the teams, you know, Alpha Academy is probably the strongest coming into this match. Um, but I think I'm going to pick the Mysterios as well for the reason that you said um, I, I'm between them and the Street Profits, I think. So uh, we'll see. I'm really excited for this match. They they built four really good teams. I mean, the Street Profits already were there, but they built three really good tag teams alongside them in the span of a month, essentially. And it just goes to show that, you know, WWE knows how to do this. They can get individuals over they can get tag teams over if they want to and they generally keep doing it on smackdown so i wish these guys were getting a wrestlemania spotlight because i think they've deserved it but uh still looking forward to the match we did talk a few months ago about how the tag team division in wwe was really rough that they just didn't have teams coming out of i think it was the draft like in october or november and uh, you know like you said credit to smackdown because they did build these teams, they gave them names, which, you know, is always important to me. The Dirty Dogs, Alpha mm-hmm. Academy, like this is all stuff that I wanted from them. That's probably one of the reasons why I'm so disappointed that it's not actually on the WrestleMania card. Um, 
So, but I am excited that they're getting this opportunity and I just can't wait to the, for the match. Honestly, like I'm, I'm legitimately excited about this match. I think it's going to be great action and I just hope it's well booked and, and they follow through. The other match that is going to be on this WrestleMania SmackDown is that Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. And I, we don't have to go long on this, but really quick, I just want to make sure that someone important wins. It's I don't know if you've seen the lineup, but it's it's not great. I'm pulling pulling it up right now. Yeah, it's not a great lineup. What's really funny is all of Retribution's in the match, but T-Bar, Mace, and Slapjack are still in their Retribution gimmicks, despite the fact that Retribution's over, right? Um, I do think Ali's in the match as well as just Ali. Hopefully they do like a fun little stare down. I assume they'll just throw him out of the ring or something like that. Ultimately, when I look at the people in the match, there's two who really stood out to me. Uh, One of them is Jey Uso. It would be pretty cool if, considering the last six months that this guy's had, he doesn't have a WrestleMania match. It would be pretty awesome to see him win this battle royal. I know he's a heel, but again, you're not in front of fans, and it would be great for like him to go into WrestleMania and have a promo with Roman Reigns or or Reigns backstage, like earn some respect for him after he wins the battle royal earlier in the show. So I would love him to do it. The other person is Shinsuke Nakamura, and. It hurts me deep inside, really, that Nakamura is not on WrestleMania. It's it's honestly a joke that you have Shinsuke Nakamura and you can't book him to WrestleMania. But again, the list of people who have won the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal, for the most part, are solid. And for Nakamura to have a Royal Rumble win and an Andre Battle Royal win and some of the other things he's done, it adds to the resume. So I, I those are the two I want to win. And I ultimately think one of those two will win. What about you? Yeah, I mean, those two are the two that stand out. The other one, the only other one who really stands out to me is maybe Cedric Alexander. Um, If they do have plans for him post-hurt business, they made him look pretty good on Raw. Uh, I think that's another possibility. But among everybody else, yeah, it's it's, it's not much. I mean, there's people in here, honestly, I forgot. Speaking of tag teams, Tucker is in this. You know, they broke up heavy machinery and didn't do anything with it. uh, looking at the other names, Tazawa, Garza, Gulak. Yeah, it, it, to me, it's really Cedric Alexander or uh, Shinsuke Nakamura or Jey Uso, probably. That, 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 those are the three, I think, that, that have a real chance. Do you want to and, name everyone who's in the match who I did not mention? I don't know who you mentioned, but here, here's who I'm seeing. I'm seeing Tazawa, Garza, Cedric Alexander, Drew Gulak, Elias, Eric, Grand Metalik, Humberto, Jackson Riker, Jey Uso, Kalisto, King Corbin, Lince Dorado, Mace Murphy, Mustafali, Ricochet, Shelton Benjamin, Nakamura, Slapjack T-Bar, and Tucker. I'd also like to see Cedric Alexander when that would be pretty cool. The But you know who's like, <laughs> the worst nightmare is who winning this match? King Corbin. Correct. And it's not, <laughs> again, it's not that I don't like Corbin. It's purely that it he doesn't need to win this and they love him and he probably will. So that's my nightmare scenario. If I had to bet if there were like odds on it, I would see what odds he had and I'd consider putting on him. But I certainly do hope that, you know, it's Nakamura. Or yeah, James. I forgot to make a. Did you make a pick? Did you pick Jey Uso? Um, I didn't pick anyone. I will pick. Oh, shit. I'm going to I'm going to pick Nakamura. I, I, I think what they did with him on SmackDown for you know that gauntlet match and stuff like that, I think you know they know they can get him back if they want to. I'm gonna I'm gonna put on Nakamura. All right, so I, I'll pick Ju. So that way, I mean, we'll we'll probably tally these at some point and see who did well. Um, just so that we're different, so that because I mean, since you always just steal my thunder and take exactly what I do, I'll go uh, counter here and I'll take Jay. I, I do hope he wins. It would be 
a pretty cool moment. Again, I wish it was in front of fans, but it would be cool for him to win. The other thing I want to say before we continue, you may hear some differences or you may not. We'll see how good of a job I do clearing and cleaning the audio on the show. You may hear sometimes there's a little bit of wind. Sometimes there's not while I'm talking. I'm in a hotel room. The AC keeps turning on and off. I can't, even if I raise the temperature, it does it. I can't turn off the fan. You just got it. We're going to have to deal with this. This is what's happening right now. So just so everyone's aware, again, I'm facing numerous obstacles. I forgot a cord at home. I just had a million things to do. Um, we're trying to do the best show we can. So just an FYI for you. Uh, lastly, before we do officially get into the WrestleMania preview, I did want to go over two people who are conspicuous by their absence from the WrestleMania card. And those two people, for quite different reasons, best I can tell, are Charlotte Flair and Bailey. Now, in Charlotte Flair's case, it's a symptom of the Raw Women's Championship booking. First of all, we know that women's booking on both shows has largely been terrible, but on Raw in particular, it's been awful. Uh, The reason, though, why Charlotte is not on this card is it seemed like the initial plan was for Lacey Evans to actually beat Asuka due to Charlotte Flair's interference for the Raw Women's Championship months ago, only for Lacey Evans to pop up pregnant and unable to wrestle. Then it was pretty clear that Charlotte Flair was going to challenge Asuka and they were going to give us that match once again at WrestleMania. Again, while they were still promoting Rhea Ripley, I think to debut the Raw after WrestleMania. Well, Charlotte popped up pregnant on an internal test, according to Andrade and according to Charlotte. Uh, That ended up being a false positive, which good or bad, depending if I don't know what they want. Right. Um, And then she actually contracted COVID. So So that whole storyline plan they had, it explains why the Raw Women's Championship picture was even worse than it otherwise would have been. But it also pushed Charlotte Flair out of the WrestleMania match, even though she's now cleared and healthy and has apparently been backstage the last two weeks. They haven't used her at all, which I think is strange. The other person is Bailey, And Bailey's an interesting case study here because, I mean, she was champion, I think, for like 380 days. She Mm -hmm. carried the women's division not on both shows because Asuka did a great job and, and Sasha Banks did a really good job with Bailey, but Bailey was one of the best workers throughout the entire pandemic. And I understand why she's not on the show because she had dominated WWE so much over the last year that you have to take the title off of her. You can't put her back in a title match. And all the other women on SmackDown are basically paired up. It didn't make sense to do like a Bailey Carmella singles feud or anything like that for WrestleMania. So she's just a victim here of really her own success over the last year that they didn't have anything to do with her. But you would have thought Monday they do a special, what is it? Ding dong. Hello. Mm -hmm. And and she Charlotte Flair is her guest and they talk shit and then they meet up on SmackDown and they end up having a match at WrestleMania. You just throw it on the card. You want to talk about adding a women's match. Charlotte Flair versus Bailey is a great women's match that you can add now. Something else happened with Bailey, and I, I don't even want to say it because I don't know that it's accurate, but something in her personal life also may have happened where she asked to take some time off. I don't know whether that played into this as well, but it is extremely strange that both of them are healthy. We do not have um, Becky Lynch due to her still on maternity leave, you know, following her pregnancy and her, her child being born. So three of the four horsewomen as of this second are not going to be on the WrestleMania card. That's wild. Two years after two of them, along with Ronda Rousey, main evented WrestleMania for the first time ever. Yeah, it's it's tough. And it's really, it was WrestleMania last year where 
it seemed like things finally clicked for Bailey with this new character. I mean, it took a while for her to kind of find her footing. And it was really right around WrestleMania when she kind of, I think, figured it out and really took off from there and had. I think she was my pick for Women's Wrestler of the Year, actually, when we did our year end awards. Deserving. She really carried it for a while. So, yeah, it's really too bad. I, I, like I, said, I don't know if there's anything else that played into it, but yeah, it's a real, sh- a real, real shame to not have Bailey involved, whether it's hosting WrestleMania, uh, you know, alongside Titus and Hulk Hogan or something like that. I, I, I don't know. It would have been, uh, hopefully she pops up somewhere at some point doing something, but yeah, man, it's really, um, it's really too bad. Cause she's had a heck of a year deserves to be in a spot like this continues to be great. They just kind of really haven't had anything for her to do since the Sasha feud ended. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate cause she's incredibly talented. She really is. Um, And it's just a shame that kind of neither of them are on the show. Honestly, I would love it. And I don't even want to make it a prediction, but man, it would be a huge pop in front of that crowd to like do a ding dong. Hello. Yeah. At WrestleMania as as instead of having a popcorn match, like between the main events or something like that, do a ding dong. Hello. Have Charlotte Flair as a guest and then have Becky Lynch's music hit. And the Freaking if there was a roof on Raymond James Stadium, it would explode. You have all of them get in there, um, tussle around. Maybe you don't have a match necessarily, but you have them do moves against each other. And at the end, Becky Lynch just stands tall. And that's her return. It would be an incredible moment. I don't know that they're going to do it. But if I was booking the damn territory and Becky was willing to come back and do that, that's what I would do. Yeah, I mean, you, you think about the the Rock, Triple H, Ronda Rousey thing from WrestleMania 31. Like, you could do something like that. Like, just have a talking segment for exactly if this is going to be outdoors if they need lights if they need light to go down or something like that it'd it'd be a heck of a way to kill some time Uh, yeah i think that's exactly right also you had like the john cena elias thing where he uh Mm -hmm. went back to the doctor of thugonomics right yeah you can do these things and i do hope that unscheduled they do something like that on the show i'm very curious what the non-wrestling stuff is going to be at this show for, for COVID reasons, for the fact that it's two nights, the fact that both nights only have, I think, seven matches now. So I am curious what kind of non-wrestling stuff they have around it. I know there's going to be some music and stuff, too. Yeah, I am very curious. So with that, we have taken some time kind of giving an initial thoughts ahead of WrestleMania. Let's get into it. It is time officially for the main event of this show. <laughs> Our WrestleMania 37 Ultimate Preview. It's officially time. We are going to start with night one. So let's talk about what is now a tag team match. Bad Bunny and Damian Priest against The Miz and John Morrison. The match that we all expected. Now on Raw Monday night, Chris, Bad Bunny pulled up in a Bugatti. Miz and Morrison smeared it with red paint and then attacked him from behind, throwing him over a car until Adam Pearce showed up to shoo them away. Bad Bunny sold the attack pretty well. Damian Priest came to his aid. They were all in the ring later, meaning Priest and Bad Bunny, and Priest made the tag team challenge official. Bad Bunny then cut a promo and said he came to WWE because he wanted to live out his dreams and because he respects the business and all the wrestlers, but Miz doesn't respect him back. Then he spoke extensively in Spanish for a couple minutes, and I think he was saying, I, I, I'm very rough in Spanish, um, but that he did the splash at the Royal Rumble for fun, and who could really blame him for doing something like that when he's just kind of living out his dream? I thought the promo from Bad Bunny was actually pretty good. And I'm going to say something that will anger people right now. <laughs> Dare I say that Bad Bunny's promo on Monday is better than any promo Andrade had cut in WWE or NXT, just for comparison's sake. 
Neither of them, English is their first language. I thought it was good. I saw some people online and, you know, look, the internet wrestling community, uh, I think I was reading this on Reddit. Some people are just toxic, right? They were saying they hated it, the promo. I just think it's because he has an accent, honestly, and he doesn't speak perfect English. But the content of that promo, yeah, he could have been louder, I think. But the content of the promo, the delivery, the passion behind it, it felt real to me, damn it. And I enjoyed it. So kudos to Bad Bunny. Kudos to Damian Priest. The fact that Damian Priest debuted a couple months ago now gets a WrestleMania match against a two-time former WWE champion, a multi-time intercontinental and tag team champion and, and John Morrison. And I mean, the Miz also, um, this is a big match. Obviously I think bunny and priest are going to win, but I think it's going to be really good shine for Damian priest. And I, dude, I think bad Bunny's going to really surprise us in the ring. Yeah. I'm glad Damian priest is in this match. You know, we, we all figured it was going to be a tag match. It sounded like there might've been some injuries that had to get cleared for. So really glad this happened because Damian Priest has been great. He, we want him to have this moment. You know, this is kind of what, it, what it's been building up toward. And Bad Bunny in a singles match didn't seem like a great idea. So glad no. it's a tag. Glad it's a tag match. I'm picking them to win, obviously, too. The, the promo was, it was all right. It wasn't bad. It wasn't great. I, th- I thought it was all right. It, it, it felt like it dragged a, a couple of times, you know, kind of his in, voice inflection maybe didn't rise and, and go down and didn't go up and down. It was kind right. of similar across those. So a couple times it felt like it dragged. And by the way, but, you learned that. You learned that with opportunity and experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, yeah. I, did, I wasn't expecting something amazing either. And, and so it, it, it was interesting because it was it started off with him presenting kind of his fan credentials, you know, right. talking about watching it as a kid, listing these famous wrestlers that he watched because he's, he, he, is, he is not a – just random ass celebrity who's here to try to promote something like he loves wrestling and he loves this shit. <laughs> yeah. That's why he's yeah. here every single week on raw. One of the biggest musicians in the world is spending every Monday night in Tampa to, to, to do a little bit of wrestling. That that's, that's tells you all you need to know how much he and cares about. I know I'm, stuff. I know I'm interrupting you like crazy, yeah. but I just want to add before we, uh, before I forget, not just that he relocated I don't know if it's permanently like if it was permanently for a couple months or just certain days of the week to Orlando and has been in the WWE Performance Center like most days of the week training. So this is like this is Ronda Rousey level commitment to I mean, look, Rousey was with the company for an entire year, right? But she trained extensively for that first WrestleMania match and was really good. Bad Bunny is doing the same thing. So the, the hopes are really high. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, exactly. And like I said, to have a musician of his caliber, I've been going back and watching the early WrestleManias over the weekend and the people who complain about there being too many celebrities at WrestleMania sometimes do they must not realize that that is like the heart of WrestleMania. I mean, we're talking it's a big part the, of it. we're talking WrestleMania one is Muhammad Ali, Liberace, mm-hmm. uh, Billy Martin in- introducing people uh, for, for the main event. It's full of celebrities. That, that's what this has always been about. So to have someone of Bad Bunny's caliber in a wrestling match is a big deal and the guy cares about it. So he's going along telling all these wrestlers that he grew up liking and respecting. And then when he says in the Miz was one of them, that was a nice little touch. It really kind of added something to this. Talked about how he was ha- having fun, living out a dream, but Miz has made it personal and now he's going to do this. So I thought it was a solid promo, honestly. And honestly, we could have I think seeing it a couple of weeks ago really added some more to this, but no promo was good. And I got to say when they were painting that uh, Bugatti he had, I mean, I'm sure it was easily 
able to come off of it. Man, I was cringing watching that stuff. <laughs> that was the real car there. That was not some like fake stuff that they oh, no, that's blow the up deal. or yeah, something. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I was that 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 got me, you know, the, the point of that segment, uh that made me uncomfortable, so it definitely worked. No, it was oh, that's stuff. washable. I mean, that you I'm can sure tell, it is. You could tell I, by the way it's smeared if, that was washable. If I've got a three point yeah. six million dollar car, I'm not putting anything on it, even if you can wipe it off in an instant. Like I, like I wonder. <laughs> I legitimately wonder what the rental cost is because you rent that from somewhere, right? It's right. Like, as a prop, right? But just the, the liability insurance on that, yeah, yeah. Just even to drive it through that garage door. I mean, maybe they had the person who owned it drive it through. I, I don't know what they did, but. Dude, yeah, you're right. Like <laughs> it was it was pretty cool for them to do it that way. Um, but this is the crazy thing, right? You're right that celebrities are 100% a part of WrestleMania. I'm looking forward to this. And like there's some celebrity matches that you don't look forward to. And even like the Snooky tag team match, right? Yes, I was not yes. looking forward to that. But the woman did like a springboard back handspring in there, right? Sure. Like like she did some stuff. And well, she wasn't good, of course, but she tried. And a lot of the celebrities that we've seen in the past have tried really hard. And that's what I really appreciate here is Bad Bunny is trying really hard. I'm a jaded dude. He's not my, I'm not the demographic for his music. Honestly, I hated the guy because my only experience with him was that Snoop Dogg Corona commercial, which I'm like, why? I'm like, not that I didn't care that he couldn't speak English, but I didn't understand the words he was saying in the commercial. I'm just like, God, I hate this commercial. It's on like 15 times every NFL game. But Bonnie, like, like, what are you saying, dude? Like, so I hated him, uh, but not without without reason for no reason yeah, whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he starts debuting on, on WWE TV. He does the Booker T song. He shows up at Royal Rumble. I'm like, oh, this guy's got some balls to him. Right. And then he starts doing stuff on TV. I learned he's training. And you want to talk about earning respect. He's earned my respect as someone, a celebrity who does not need to do this, but is living out his dream, clearly cares about it and is putting his all in. So credit to Bad Bunny. It's going to be a good match, and I think it's going to draw. So really good for WWE on that. Let's keep going here with the steel cage match. Shane McMahon versus Braun Strowman. Strowman cut a promo on Raw inside the steel cage, promising to whoop Shane's ass on behalf of anyone who has ever been bullied. So it's basically the Nia Jax Alexa Bliss angle from a couple years ago. Strowman was really passionate with it, though, so I'll give him credit for selling it pretty well. Shane did a man pun on his last name, McMahon, which was horrible, just as every Shane promo this entire time has been. Strowman then beat Elias and Jackson Riker in a two-on-one handicap match. So as bad as the raw angles have been, and we've talked about that extensively, Strowman has actually surprisingly done a great job when given an open free mic on Raw Talk to explain the storyline. And I'm not joking when I say that. He's done it twice now. And especially on this week's episode, it came through. He's a normal dude. He talked about adversity he's faced personally, stuff his family has accomplished and overcome. I think he said his mom is wheelchair bound and she coached a like high school gymnastics team to a championship despite being wheelchair bound. Like that's pretty crazy. He even dropped a hard times reference, which you guys know how we start the show every week, uh, right in the middle. You could feel the reality of his entire promo. And he has done a better job selling this match on Raw Talk than the entirety of the storyline on Raw itself. So we can talk about the match in a moment. But for a guy that gets a lot of shit, and Braun Strowman gets a lot of shit from us, from a lot of wrestling pundits and, and people who criticize him and his promos, I think it's the scripted nature of the promos. And, and it's, this goes for a lot of people. They give him absolutely horrific lines. Yes. When you give this guy a microphone and allow him to cut a real promo, he delivers. That's what they need to start doing with Braun Strowman. 
Yes. And right before we recorded this, I watched Raw Talk because you told me to check it out. And everybody should go watch that Braun Strowman promo on Raw Talk. It's really good. We say this every week on the show, but all the best promos in WWE are happening on Talking Smack and Raw Talk. And I don't know why they're not doing these on the show. This is how you build support and empathy for your face by having him explain this stuff and they're not putting it on the show they're having him do another whatever promo uh and and then and then a quick match like this is the kind of thing that will get people want that want to watch the match and feel invested in the match like he talked about he had back surgery in 2015 and he couldn't like he couldn't one of his legs like didn't work and stuff like that and like just I had no idea he'd gone through this kind of stuff. Like the whole point of this feud is to build empathy for Braun because he's being bullied and they just absolutely have not done that on raw. But then you get this one promo on raw talk and suddenly it's there. And yeah, it was good promo. I've I've liked him on raw talk before. Uh, He is a good promo in the sense that he, for a big brute guy, he articulates his words really well and Mm -hmm. he talks well. Um, so it's just what he's given to work with, I think. So no, it was really good stuff and, and got me more interested in the match. Now, as far as the match goes, it's very simple, Chris, this is going to over deliver. Like it's, it's, it's a terrible storyline. We know this, but you have Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon inside a steel cage. Yes. Like I, I didn't like the promos on raw where Shane's like, actually, Braun, yeah, maybe you were pretty smart picking a steel cage match. No, he wasn't. He was stupid. He should have picked Hell in a Cell. Like, if you don't want people to get in, you pick something with a, a roof on it, right? But, you know, let's step away from that. Uh, Shane's going to do something crazy. He'll take a bump off the top of the cage, whether to the outside or whether to the inside. I guess if he took it to the outside, technically he could win. Yeah, but Braun would I'm still win sure. because, he, because he kills Shane, like something like that. So I don't exactly know, you know, what's going to happen in the match. But I do know it's going to over deliver because despite Shane being completely washed and he's more washed now than he was a couple of years ago by, you know, significant margin, the guy's nuts and he's going to do something crazy. And when you combine that with Braun Strowman's strength and the fact that I think kids still like him and I think this audience, this crowd for WrestleMania, it's not going to be a smarky crowd because there's going to be basically no international people and considering the amount of tickets that they are selling, I think a lot of people are just going to be from Florida, Georgia, Alabama area. You know, I don't think there's going to be a huge travel crowd. So I think it's going to be very, you know, marky. And I think that's a good thing for WrestleMania. That's fun. So I think Braun wins. And I think this match over delivers, not to our expectation, because I actually expect it to over deliver, but it totally over delivers the storyline. Yeah. I mean, as soon as we knew this is where it was going, I, I knew I was going to look forward to the match. It was everything else that was happening that was kind of, Right. Cringeworthy. But we, we knew this match was going to be Braun throws Shane around and Shane does probably jumps off of something like they does it always at every WrestleMania. It's not going to be a five star match, but it's going to be entertaining. And that's exactly what I, I expect to happen here. Don't know exactly what it's going to be. I assume Shane's jumping off the cage inside, probably. But but who knows? I mean, maybe maybe something happens afterwards. So pick is Braun to win the match. I was looking forward to this when it started and I'm looking forward to it now. It'd be pretty cool if like Braun, like had Shane atop the cage and like looks into the ring, looks outside, sees the table and he just like shrugs and throws Shane off and yeah, yeah, loses. Like it could be something like that. No, like, and like purposely loses the match, yeah, but then sits yeah. on top of the cage and like roars or something like, like he won. 
uh, that'd be pretty funny, I think. So maybe that's and, what and, 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 and it's fine. It's fine that he loses the match because this is not like a championship match. It's the whole point of this is because he wants to beat the shit out of Shane McMahon. So what better way to do it than to throw him off the cage? You know, absolutely. Like, you cut a promo it, it, it Monday. Would, it would make sense. You easily cut a promo Monday, and it's like, yeah, guys. I guess I technically. And again, if you give him a free mic, hey guys, I guess I technically lost, but I didn't really care. I just wanted to beat the shit out of this guy, and it's easy, right? You know, that's all that matters. All he's really said is, I want to beat the hell out of you. Not necessarily, I want to beat you in a steel cage match at WrestleMania. So it totally works if they do that. Uh, the women's tag team turmoil match. Let's get to that next. It's going to be Naomi and Lana against the sexy muscle friends, against the riot squad, against Natalia and Tamina. And there may be another team. We'll get to that in a second. First, let's talk about SmackDown. Uh, Shayna Baszler against Natalia. Baszler lost in one minute to Natalia. Shayna Baszler is now Oh, five and one in her last six singles matches, which is insane. While Nia Jax never loses zero point zero. Literally how many wins Shayna Baszler has in singles matches over like the last two months. And I get it. They want to keep Nia Jax strong because she's, you know, a larger woman and, and probably the person that they, you know, want to protect more. That makes sense. But you don't need Shayna Baszler to lose or no contest, six straight singles matches. It's She's way better than that, and that's very unfair to her. Uh, the champions attacked after leading out to the Riot Squad, Mandy Rose and Dana Brooke, and then Naomi and Lana, all springboard splashing the champions. Natalia and Tamina stood tall at the end after a heart attack. Uh, Jax gave Carmella a snide look backstage before the match, and then after the match, Carmella accepted Billy Kay's resume and started looking it over. So then on Raw, they announced the tag team turmoil match, there was also a backstage segment where all the teams confronted each other. Billy was still looking for a partner. And I think WWE accidentally tweeted out a graphic that included Billy Kay and Carmella both in the match as a tag team. I assume that's going to be something that develops on SmackDown for the go-home show. But regardless, it looks like it's going to be a fatal five-way or fatal four-way match in the women's tag team turmoil. And the winners will face Baszler and Jax on night two. So, Chris, before we I don't even know if you want to. Is there anything you want to say about this before we get into predictions? Well, the only thing is, I guess I'm, I'm curious how this will go, because tag team turmoil is. By all accounts, a gauntlet match. That's what I thought. So is this going to like how long is this going to take? Are we going to have quick pins? It's I they mean, did say something. They did say something about two teams starting in the ring. So it may actually be closer to what the what NXT is doing with the North American Championship yeah. uh, on night one of Stand and Deliver, where it's a gauntlet match, but on a timer like a Royal Rumble. So like yeah. every three minutes, a new team comes in no matter what. In in which case will it will it be elimination or will it be first pin once everybody's in wins? I it would be elimination. It would be an elimination I, in that point. I'm just that's going to take a lot of time and going to have a lot of people lose that I don't think you need to do. That's which is why we always thought they were going to do fatal four way, but whatever. I'm just mostly I'm just glad the riot squads in this because there was a period where we we didn't think they were going to be. So thank God the riot squads in this. I mean, let's be honest. The two tag teams that have been pushed the strongest are Naomi and Lana and Italian and Tamina. And yeah, that's it to me patently absurd because yes. the sexy muscle friends are actually a team and have been a team for a long time. And the riot squad, every I would get, I would venture to guess 80% of WWE fans want to see them win the women's tag team titles, mm -hmm. but they haven't even been on TV and now they're in a tag team match. So I don't I don't even know who to pick. I'm not going to pick Naomi and Lana because they're not a WrestleMania team and they just had a tag team title match. It's I don't think they're going to give it to the sexy muscle friends, even though they should have won the titles about four months ago. 
I think it's between Riot Squad, Natalia, and Tamina. Natalia and Tamina have been built the strongest. And I kind of want to pick them, but I don't see any scenario in which they think Shayna Baszler, Nia Jax, Natalia, and Tamina is an exciting WrestleMania match. So I'm going to go with what I think is a total underdog pick here. I almost know I'm going to be wrong. I'm going to take the Riot Squad. I mean, I, I'm, I'm I'm rooting for the Riot Squad for, for exactly what you said. I it's hope because I'm were. rooting for them. So I just kind of yeah. want to pick them. Yeah. I, I, I'm just to be different. I'm going to say Natalia Tamina. They, they've been... Like you said, building them strong for Clearly. Yeah. some reason, and I, I figure it's got to pay off at some point. And well, I don't know. maybe they gotta, use them as a maybe they but then use you got, them then as you a got tr- heel. Then you got heel versus heel, I guess. Uh, night two tag team match is kind of weird too. I don't maybe know. maybe I, they use them though as a transitional team. So like maybe they, which is weird to do at WrestleMania, although they did do it with Zack Ryder. Um, maybe they have them take the titles that way. The Riot Squad can win them, but not off a team like that because. Natalia and Tamina beating them makes more sense. They're veterans. They're similarly sized. You know, whereas the Riot Squad is a little bit more. Right. I, I could see that. It's just, it'd be weird. It, it'd kind of be two heel tag teams facing off on night two, which it I don't would know be. if that yeah. makes sense. So I, just for the heck of it, I'll go Natalia Tamina, but obviously I'm hoping for the Riot Squad. For sure. And, and look, I don't think the Sexy Muscle Friends winning is impossible. And I, I would personally love it, but... It just seems like they have no momentum, which is really a shame because they've improved as a team significantly. They have tag team moves. They have matching gear. Like, mm-hmm. ah, it's so weird. Like, they've actually built up these teams, to be fair, but they don't use them well. And it's such a frustration with the Raw women's division or really the entire women's division at this time. But speaking of Raw, let's go to that Raw tag team title match. New Day, the champions defending against AJ Styles and Omos. On Raw, Riddle approached New Day in gorilla position and made some jokes about getting high. It was the most blatant that WWE's been about like this guy smokes weed. <laughs> and um, I thought that was kind of strange, but also funny. And I was glad they did it. Uh, then we had a singles match, Xavier Woods against AJ Styles. Styles had Woods in the calf crusher. So Kofi Kingston grabbed the mic, started cutting a promo on Omos, threw the microphone at him. That distracted Styles and led to Woods getting a roll up win. It was a little heelish. And I know people like criticize faces doing heel things, but it was funny to me. So I, I thought it was pretty smart and it was one roll-up win, and I think it's the first one we've seen in a while, so I will let that go. Uh, it does seem like this will be the default comedy match on the card, which every WrestleMania kind of needs one of those. But considering the in-ring talent of Woods and Styles and Kingston, it's weird that this is going to be the comedy match. You know, kind of l- let me get your thoughts on this, and why don't you go ahead and give start us off with a prediction as well. Yeah, it was... I, I mean, what happened at Raw was... Whatever. I, I think it kind of furthers. I I was thinking of picking the New Day here because I, I, I didn't really know if AJ Styles and Omos as a long-term tag team champion works. But with the New Day getting the win on Raw and generally getting the upper hand throughout this entire thing, right. I think I'm going to pick AJ and Omos. Uh, Omos. So... Uh, that's my pick. Um, I don't really know where the tag team division goes from there. There's not many. They keep breaking them up. They keep breaking up factions <laughs> and, and stuff like that. So I don't really know where these tag team belts go otherwise. But uh, I'm going to, I guess, go for a title change. And so the, the so New Day will be chasing number 12, I guess, after that. It's crazy. Like, so I don't even know how to pick this match, right? Because you're not going to get every match being a title change. And you're not theoretically going to get faces winning every match. 
Although faces generally do win at WrestleMania, right? But I, I don't know. I don't know what, what they do here because Styles and Omos, if they were to win, the, what I think is who takes the titles off them? There's right. no one. Because unless you're going to have New Day win them back, which is surely possible, her business is heel, although, oh, not sorry, not her business. Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, I guess they're technically heel, but maybe they're in the process of turning face. And the only other team I think you have on that brand is Lucha House Party at this point. So it's like, who's going to eventually beat them? And I don't know that there's an answer. Whereas I think if you keep New Day as the champions, you have two heel teams that can still go after them. I, I don't know what the answer is here. I think it's WrestleMania. You're in front of a crowd. You want that New Day sound. Like you want that that celebration at the right. end of the match. I'm going to go with New Day retaining. It, it's tough. It's tough. I I, I don't know. I, I Part of me is like, it's Omas's debut. They want his debut to look great and make him look strong. And what better way to do that than to win a tag team championship? Well, I, I think you can also do like Styles I, loses. Omas looks disappointed in him. Yeah. Know. Then uh, do you do do you do a Styles Omas feud out of that? Break him on a no, tag no, team? Yeah, I, no. So what's Omas gonna do on his own? I know. I I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. It's uh, you know, we 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 pick too, similarly too often. So I like that we're picking some different things here. Me too. And I am not confident in my picks. Like normally. I will go into a WrestleMania or a takeover in particular, confident that what I say is right. But for better or worse, there's a lot of confusion this year, I got to say. And some of it's because of storytelling. Like this one has just garbage. It's not it's the match happened out of nowhere and the storytelling has been completely comedy based. And some of it is that there's actually questions. Now, one match where I don't think there's any question on what's going to happen is Seth Rollins against Cesaro. On SmackDown last Friday, there was an interview segment with both men and Corey Graves in the ring. Rollins went through his record at WrestleMania, which I think he called it impeccable, and it is. Uh, it's legitimately incredible. He did lose that match to Randy Orton, but then that's the same night where he cashed in the money in the bank briefcase and won the WWE Championship. That was a great WrestleMania, by the way, for Rollins in particular. Uh, Cesaro cut a couple of corny, obviously scripted lines. I hate that they do that. The segment as a whole was good. It did build a little heat for the match, but it didn't really need any heat because this is a wrestling match. Like this is supposed to be a work rate match that gets fans excited. And after you had Cesaro, um, you know, trying to win the Universal Championship, getting all those opportunities, falling short, Rollins coming back. Rollins has lost every major feud he has been in since becoming this character. He lost to Drew McIntyre, he obviously eventually lost to Rey Mysterio and Buddy Murphy he lost to, and he's going to lose to Cesaro as well. But the goal here is to give Cesaro a WrestleMania moment. It is to put him over in some substantial manner for a change. And I am ex- I'm looking forward to this match. I'm looking forward to a Cesaro victory in front of a crowd. I think it's a well-deserved moment for Cesaro, and I honestly can't wait for it. Yeah, they were kind of telling the same story they did a year ago with Seth and Kevin Owens and Seth saying, I'm the new Mr. WrestleMania and Kevin Owens hadn't done anything. And so they have their match and Kevin Owens gets his moment. So, yeah, obviously the pick is Cesaro here. Um, You hope this will kind of elevate him to that spot where he can get a get a one off world title shot at a pay-per-view or something like that. I I mean, that's really the the, the point of this. Um, Totally. The, the the corny lines that are fed to him are still annoying at times, but this guy works great in the ring. This match is going to be great, and not much to it other than that. Who's your pick, Cesaro? Cesaro, yeah, yeah. I I, I mean, I guess I guess I wouldn't rule out 
that the day of Vince says, nah, Cesaro is not my guy. Let's go with Seth. Actually. Oh God, kill me. <laughs> but, but no, my pick is going to be Cesaro. All right. Uh, so let's all that's left for night one is the double main event on raw. They called Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE championship. The main event of night one and did not say the same thing for Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. Now that is going to anger a lot of people. If it is, it's what happens. I think it's what's going to happen, but I do want to give credit and respect to the women's match, which I personally believe it should main event. And since the getting over wrestling podcast happens to be hosted by me, we're going to talk about it last. So let's talk the WWE championship, Bobby Lashley defending the title against Drew McIntyre. A lot for me to get through here. So bear with me on SmackDown. Corbin cut a promo explaining that he took advantage of the opportunity Lashley presented and was tired of carrying McIntyre around for a year back in 2019. I thought that was pretty solid and it was good that they called back to their trio relationship from, you know, over a year ago. On Raw, McIntyre opened the show with a passionate personal promo and actually choked up when talking about his mother. I like that. Uh, Lashley and then Corbin were really both rough on the mic afterward. We got a singles match, Lashley against Cedric Alexander. There was a great backstage segment with Alexander grabbing MVP by a suit, jacking him up against a road case as Alexander and Shelton Benjamin intimidated him. MVP pumped himself up as being the reason for their success after they walked away. And Lashley was pissed to find out that MVP basically got jumped. It was a pretty strong segment. And I like that they figured out a way to keep Alexander and Benjamin kind of interesting and looking strong despite moving away from the Hurt Business. Alexander and Benjamin attacked Lashley before that singles match. Lashley really sold for Alexander, by the way, during this match. Alexander got a ton of offense in a long match with the WWE champion, but Lashley did ultimately hit the almighty spinebuster and the hurt lock to look dominant, even ruining and attacking uh, Benjamin again after the match. So Chris, despite hating the fact that hurt business broke up, Lashley and Alexander both came out of this match looking strong and the Alexander Benjamin team still has, seems to have some mojo. So as much as I hate her business breaking up, so far, they're still allowing both of these guys to look pretty strong. Yes, that was good to see. I was um, concerned that Cedric and Shelton would kind of be pushed to the wayside. Um, and, and we didn't really know if this was going to elevate Lashley going into WrestleMania to to to, to do something like this. But I, I do think this slightly helped him here. But it's good to see Cedric Alexander look good, get some camera time with MVP and everything. You and hope Lashley. they have a long you, yeah, you hope they have a long-term plan and this isn't just just meant to elevate Lashley now, but no, it it was more than I expected and so that was a pleasant surprise. I was for for Alexander to get that much run with a WWE champion on the go home show to WrestleMania. I was just very enthusiastic about that. Again, it, it could mean nothing. He could not even be on Raw, you know, after WrestleMania. It's very possible that happens. But I was enthusiastic and I thought, you know, better than the alternative, which is him getting squashed in like three minutes. Uh, McIntyre and Corbin closed the show in the main event. McIntyre said backstage that Corbin was stupid for coming after him, but it was a big opportunity for Corbin and a good warm up match for McIntyre ahead of WrestleMania. These two had a main event level match for a go home raw, which I appreciated. I don't mean main event level like I loved it or that Corbin should be a main eventer, although there is something to say about that if given the right gimmick. It was more just they had a long match. They got all of their moves in and 
it looked like Corbin tested McIntyre. So, I, you know, I thought that's pretty good that they did that. But the match was unnecessary. MVP gave Corbin his cane and said the deal is not about beating McIntyre, but taking him out. And as soon as Corbin turns around, uh, McIntyre immediately hits a Claymore for the win. So they basically protected Corbin completely unnecessarily. This is a guy in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal with a distraction when McIntyre is going into the main event of WrestleMania. You want him to look strong, not to win because of a distraction. We barely saw Lashley at a huge distance at the end of the show. This was a great opportunity for them to do a pull apart. You know, you expect one of those, you know, on the road to WrestleMania. This match, like, we both like it, right? We both want to see Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley compete, largely because. Big meaty man slapping me. <laughs> and sometimes, Chris, we don't want bread. We don't want water. We just want meat. He don't want no water. He don't want no bread. All he wants is meat. And there should be at least one match at WrestleMania where there's beef flying around the ring. Because, Chris, I don't always worry about the shirt. I kind of worry about the meat that's inside the shirt. Don't worry about the shirt. Worry about the meat inside the shirt. And we know what WrestleMania is all about. Put your meat on my meat, man. Gently now. Please, gently, gently. I'm delicate. I honestly just felt like we couldn't have a WrestleMania preview show without running the meat train or something like that, right? So I wanted to get them all out there. But the point is... Yes, this match is big, big, meaty men slapping meat. It's going to be a great match, dude. But the build is lackluster. It does not feel like a WrestleMania main event for the WWE Championship. It feels like it's a backlash match. And, and it's still, the, I, I want to see it, but I don't really care as much about it as I should. Yeah, no, I, we were hoping to get that pull apart. It would have been a great way to send this off. But we knew when to uh, last week, when Corbin interfered, we, we, we said, we're going to get a Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin main event, go home to WrestleMania. And they did it. And it was whatever. I mean, Corbin's just, we like Corbin, but just he's not booked well. This is not how you send something to go home. And yeah, it was disappointing. Honestly, the best build for the match was your interview with Drew McIntyre and Drew McIntyre talking on Raw Talk, talking about how much he... You know, him and Lashley have been in the same spot, guys. Who oh, were, it was great. Yeah. Who were, were uh, anointed when they weren't ready, left the company, fought in, in, other, fought in TNA, came back to reach the spot. Like, that's the story, kind of. That and they didn't Drew tell had, it. Drew has kind of inadvertently turned that into the story because there's been just not much heat other other than you took my title, I want it back. So, yeah, it was it was a disappointing way to to go into um, WrestleMania. But still looking forward to this match. We love the match they had last year at Backlash. I think it's going to be a really, really good match. Yes, I'm totally excited for it. I think it will be, as we call it, a certified banger. But they didn't tell, and it was largely because of the short time frame. They didn't tell the story that we really wanted, right? Like, we wanted the storyline of two guys, one the chosen one, one in the main event of WrestleMania, with a guy who ended up being president of the United States, uh, both basically unceremoniously fired from the company, leaving the company, and now coming back, and and one is the champion, and one's been a two-time champion all inside of the last year. It's a great story. 
They didn't tell us on TV. Nope. And you have Drew McIntyre in interviews selling it, like you said, on Raw Talk selling it. Bobby Lashley, I've seen in an interview sell it as well. And it's just, it's really disappointing that a match of this caliber that should be enormous is not. I'll tell you this, though. I guarantee you they're going to have a hell of a video package leading into it uh, on Saturday. That's I hope they make, do. That's going to make you, it's going to make us feel differently as soon as this match uh, gets going, though. So th- they can give the goosebumps, dude, with the video pack. They can do it for any match. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to. They made to Retribution look good once with a video package. You remember that? <laughs> yeah. No, they're it's the best crazy. in the business. We, we say it all the time. WWE's video team, best in the business. This time of year, I love going back through my favorite WrestleMania promos. I think of Dana Bryan, Triple H, uh, Monster. I think of Shawn Michaels, Undertaker 2. I think of Triple H, Roman. I think of uh, Rock Cena 2. There's so many good WrestleMania promos that I, I know they're going to have coming up, coming coming in for this one as well. I'll give you first shot. Who wins this match? <sighs> this is tough. And honestly, I'm glad that it's tough. You know, I, I, for for the longest time, I, I thought Drew was going to uh, face Edge and Drew was going to get his WrestleMania moment that he didn't last year. But Lashley just became the champion. We know they love Lashley. He got rid of the Hurt business, so he's got to still be in a good spot. This is tough. I'm going to go with Drew McIntyre. I'm going to say he gets his WrestleMania moment in front of the crowd that he didn't get a year ago. That's my pick. So two things I want to say. First is you left out the best WrestleMania promo of all time, which is the My Way promo for WrestleMania. Yes, Austin, Austin, under, uh, Austin Rock, WrestleMania 17, another. Number one all time. time. Number one all time. Um, I'm of the same mindset here. So if I was booking the damn territory, first of all, I would have started this feud, you know, a month or two months earlier, and then I would have Drew McIntyre win. But given the time frame and given how this has been built, the fact that Lashley just won the title, I would keep the title on Bobby Lashley. I'd figure out a way to book it where maybe you do a double turn, uh, a dusty Hmm. finish. You do something interesting here to keep the title on Lashley and have fans be happy that that's your decision. Because a lot of smart fans right now want Lashley to retain. They feel like he finally got this mountaintop moment and he's only getting it so that Drew McIntyre beats someone strong at WrestleMania and gets the pop. Now, prediction-wise, that's what's going to happen. Uh, you know, I'd be I'd love to be surprised and have Lashley win, but they wanted to anoint and crown Drew McIntyre last year. And they technically did, but they didn't actually get the opportunity to do so in front of a crowd that he can be serenaded. There's some talk that if Drew McIntyre wins, two things may happen. One, the crowd could boo. uh, And number two, that he could start moving into that Roman Reigns territory where he's overpushed and people get tired of it and they revolt against him. So there's a couple of things I think that are different. Number one, Drew McIntyre from the beginning can cut a promo. And Reigns as a face, especially with the scripted stuff, really struggled doing that. So also Reigns never got beat ever. McIntyre occasionally loses or gets tested in a significant way. I think the biggest mistake they made with McIntyre over the last year was having him win back the title from Randy Orton. That title change should have happened way earlier and he never shouldn't have gotten it back afterward. It should have gone Orton to Miz cashing it in, let's say somehow, uh, Lashley beating Miz like three months ago, 
and McIntyre now finally getting his opportunity again where you can crown him and he can be the champion. But that's not what they did. Uh, that's unfortunate because now McIntyre's a two-time WWE champion. So what's the interest in him becoming a three-time WWE champion, right? I think the this, whole, yeah, this, I is think why the whole, this is why the story of you screwed me out of my title, I want it back, just isn't, isn't, it, there's not enough edge to it. No, it's, I was champion for nine months. Why the hell am I not getting opportunities? Like, I demand this. And he wins a number one contendership match over Sheamus, which they didn't do, but they could have done. And then he gets the opportunity. Like, there were so many ways to do this, right? Um, so again, the build is lackluster. Ultimately, I don't think it matters what we want. WWE wants to put McIntyre over. I think they will put McIntyre over. I think it will work. The problem then is what the hell do you do? Because you can't have him hold the title for another six months in the Thunderdome. So you can't, you also can't change it back and just have him lose to Lashley like next Monday on Raw. Now you're changing the, the WWE title like four times in a one and a half month span. So the, the, the smart decision honestly would be to keep it on Lashley and have McIntyre win the title back at Money in the Bank or SummerSlam or something like that. But the decision that I think they will make, my prediction, is Drew McIntyre winning the WWE title for the third time at WrestleMania. And how much of that, and we, we, we talked about this on Friday on Twitter spaces before SmackDown about which match would lead off the show because we it was talk they want to start with a bang. That's why there's no kickoff show matches. You thought this could be the first match of the card. But now I guess the impression is that this will probably be the main event of the, the final match of night one. That's just the way they described it. You know, when they run through the card, they said the yeah. main event, this, and then the next match they showed was Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. And they didn't say that. So that it seems like it's going to main event and maybe Banks and Belair opens the show. Maybe they reverse it. And then, that, people yeah. will com- and then people will complain that they put the women on first, even though you have to remember the women's match or the first match is a very big and important match. I would love it if they called them co-main events, even if they want Mac and like WWE really shoots itself in the foot, right? The main event, yes, technically is the match that goes on last. But if you bill something as co-main events, it still has that cachet. So what they should have done is say the co-main events of night one. And if you want to put Banks and Belair on before it, you do Banks and Belair, you do a segment, a comedy segment, popcorn match, whatever you want to call it. And then you do the main event, which is, I think, going to be Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley. They just shoot themselves in the foot by not terming things properly. And, and I think that's what's going to happen here. You know, unfortunately. Yeah. And so we'll see. I, I think it would be a good match to start off with, but I think it'd be a good match to you end that night with Drew McIntyre as the champion in the night kind of, you know, that, that plays into the picture. If, if that's the final match, it seems more likely that McIntyre is going to win it, in which case we'll see. And if, if that happens, there's probably a good chance they open the show with, with the, the final match to talk about here, which is Bianca I, and Sasha. I would say if I would say if Lashley McIntyre opens or closes, McIntyre is winning. If it's anywhere else in the show, there's a good chance Lashley retains. Yeah, yeah. that's the best way to put it. Uh, yes, let's talk about that final match, my main event for night one, Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair, the 2021 Royal Rumble winner for the SmackDown Women's Championship. So on SmackDown, we had Bianca Belair against Carmella in a singles match. Graves was hysterical, by the way, saying, oh my God, during Carmella's entrance. <laughs> to be fair, that's the most action I've had all year. I mean, he wasn't necessarily wrong. Uh, Belair cut another killer babyface promo in gorilla position. Two weeks in a row, 
really good promos from Bianca Belair. Also a really good interview here on the Getting Over Wrestling podcast that you can listen to from this past Monday. Uh, Carmella attacked her early in the match, but Belair hit the KOD after a few minutes for the win. Sasha Banks tried to attack Belair from behind, but got caught. And Belair convinced her to wait for WrestleMania and not fight her right there. As far as Sasha Banks goes, uh, I guess I'll play the sound again. That's the most action I've had all year. Just just saying. Uh, that's my, That was my thoughts when I saw Sasha Banks. Um, anyway, you know, that's all that really happened. Uh, two weeks in a row now, we've gotten like singular segments building this match, including the Women's Royal Rumble winner, including, I think, our Women's Wrestler of the Year for 2020. And there's, you know, we've said it multiple weeks on the show. The build for this match has been incredibly lackluster. The garbage tag team uh, pairing. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. You kind of, you kind of came in and out for a little bit there. You got to repeat. Well, what, where should I start? Seconds. Um, after, uh, after, uh, before or after the second uh, most action I've had all year. After the second most action. Okay. All right. All right. So that's all we really got on the show. We've talked about the build for this match being incredibly lackluster. It has been. Obviously, we had the garbage stuff with them being paired as a tag team and going after those titles for no reason whatsoever. The Reginald stuff that dominated like over a month of this storyline. They finally, the last couple of weeks, have just started to get into it. And I really hope they hammered home on the go home show. If you want to do a pull apart and you're not going to do McIntyre Lashley, do Banks Belair. Have them, the fact that they've been so reserved about really going after each other, have that come to a head, a really heated head where they both go after each other at a contract signing. And they, you have to pull them apart. You, you have to add some intensity to this and tell the story of Sasha. They're, they're basically the same age, but Bianca Belair on Raw, on SmackDown is a neophyte. She's only been there a year. Banks is almost a veteran, again, despite them being the same age. Tell the story of, I think Bianca Belair actually laid it out there, that Sasha Banks paved the road, and now Bianca Belair is resurfacing it. Like, she's carving her own path. I want to see that told. I want to see this match in the main event. I think it's going to be a great match. Because the build has been so lackluster, I've started wondering, maybe Bianca Belair is not going to go over. And maybe they're actually going to have Sasha Banks retain the title. But ultimately, I think you don't have her win the Royal Rumble. You don't have Sasha Banks be champion this long of a period of time if you're not going to change the title at WrestleMania. So I do think Bianca Belair actually walks out as the new SmackDown Women's Champion. Yeah, it just it feels like there's been a story they could tell here that they just haven't done. It could be... Bianca's like, I'm coming for you, Sasha. I'm coming for you. I'm, you you've been on top, but I'm, I'm here. And Sasha's worried about losing her place at the top. She's getting concerned about this new person who came along. Instead, it's mostly, I think I'm better than you. And back and forth, like, you're, you're not on my level. You're not on my level. And it's just kind of been whatever. And they just, they haven't gotten it deep enough there. I mean, Bianca's interview that you did was... Uh, really enlightening to a lot of her backstory and the, the way she kind of handles her stuff that we just didn't haven't gotten on the show. I recommend people go listen to that again. Um, so yeah, my pick here is going to be Bianca because of what she said, because of the way they've built this up. She's the face, you know, it's WrestleMania. They, 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 they've clearly had a plan for her here 
in 2021 after I thought they dropped the ball at Survivor Series. Uh, so that's my pick. It's unfortunate we haven't gotten the best story we could have gotten out of this, but that's the case, I think, with a lot of things on this it, card. It is unfortunately that a lot of the matches just aren't built the way that you would expect. And honestly, I think there's a good chance, just to quickly wrap up before we move on to night two, there's a chance that night one is ultimately a stronger night, just in terms of kind of excitement. There's a couple matches on night two that may be better, but when you look at from a storyline perspective, the build for night two, it's a lot of things that are rushed, overplayed, and, and that's a symptom of the entire WrestleMania card. They, WWE, really screwed themselves with Fastlane. It was so unnecessary to have that. They could have been spending, rather than building up matches for that show, they could have been spending that entire four-week period of time ahead of it building for WrestleMania directly rather than indirectly. And so many different storylines have suffered because of it that there's some matches that are well-built and that you get really excited for. Like Rollins Cesaro does not need an extensive build for that to be exciting. But then there, you know, Bad Bunny and Damian Priest against Miz and John Morrison. That's been building since the Royal Rumble. Miz did, you know, go to the side quickly to win the WWE title. But otherwise, that's a long, you know, somewhat long term storyline. A lot of these aren't. And it is a disappointment. And I think you're going to see really on night two in particular, there's a number of those that are, I think there's four of the seven matches are not long term at all. And I think that's a little bit of a disappointment, but I do think the nights are somewhat well proportioned, Chris. And if night yeah. one was its own pay-per-view, my expectation grade kind of going into it would definitely be a B or better. Yeah, I, I think it's always possible when the build is bad that a great match over delivers. It kind of lowers your expectations a little bit um, and and that's not always a, a bad thing. We know WWE has been really good with pay-per-views throughout almost the entire pandemic. So I, I do think it'll be a good show, whatever ends up kind of happening. But uh, it's just, it's been frustrating that we haven't really gotten the clear Lashley McIntyre story. We haven't really gotten the uh, a deep Bianca Sasha story. When, when these are, these should be, these could be like legendary matchups. Like Bianca Sasha could be, you know, a legendary rivalry one day. And, and there's a lot to tell with these four superstars that they just haven't told whether or not you had Fastlane or not. I, it's not like I would have trusted them to handle the build any better. I mean, McIntyre had a match at Fastlane. There was no WWE title match and it didn't really help. It just kind of was whatever. There's just, you got to focus in on what these guys are fighting for and why and tell that story instead right. of all the dressing around it sometimes they focus so much around the the, the windows are dressing and everything else we kind of lose the plot of exactly what these people are doing like both of those matches the two big title matches on night one could end up being memorable matches but neither of them will end up being memorable feuds and that's the unfortunate part it's like when you have a rick flair Shawn michaels storyline or a Shawn michaels undertaker storyline you have memorable matches but you also remember the feuds how they got there the reasoning behind them happening and i know i'm using two that are retirement base there. So I know that's a little bit different, but Austin rock, like you, the, you know, there's, there's emphasis and oomph behind it. Even like John Cena Miz, right? Like there was a lot to that. These are just kind of like, these could be really good matches and I think fans will like them, but ultimately you're just going to remember, Oh yeah, that match was good. I should watch it. 
you're not going to necessarily care about everything that preceded it. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. Think about that Austin Rock promo. The only storyline there is Austin really, really effing wants that championship and The Rock (laughs) has it and he needs it. And this is the most important thing to these people. Even... Austin's wife at the time, Deborah, she was a side plot. And he says, you know, take Deborah, get her out of the picture. You have the belt. I want it. Like, get to the point of why this matters. Like, we're, we're, we're just, we're not, they don't focus enough on exactly why this title, why these titles mean so much to, to, in these two right. feuds. It's just right. kind of, it exists and I want it. But like, really show me you want it. Don't tell me you want it. So it's an example of, you don't have to have a blood feud. You don't have to have a retirement. You don't have, it's just, a championship is on the line and it matters and show me how much this matters to you. Right. To the, to the wrestlers involved, 100%. So that is our wrap up of night one. We are going to get to night two of WrestleMania 37 in this ultimate preview momentarily, but I would be remiss if I did not remind you that promotional consideration for the getting over wrestling podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below the waist grooming Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide, and we have an exclusive offer for you, our Getting Over listeners. 20% off plus free shipping with the code GOMAN at manscaped.com. This show's all about big meaty men slapping meat. You know that. Manscaped is all about protecting men's meat. They hooked us up with their perfect package 3.0, including the best ball hair trimmer ever, the Lawnmower 3.0. This trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade, to reduce grooming accidents thanks to advanced skin-safe technology. From a lifetime of trimming down low, I can tell you I've never used something this well-designed. Also in this package are some products to keep your balls dry and smelling fresh, along with a few gifts, including a pair of super comfortable, high-performance Manscaped boxer briefs and a travel bag. No joke, I have all of those things I just named with me on this trip. Just true. I use the travel bag. I have the boxers and I, and I have all those ball products. So Silver King is staying fresh in Augusta, Georgia. Look, trim your junk, 20% off and free shipping with the code GOMAN at manscaped.com. I cannot stress enough. Each purchase directly supports the Getting Over Wrestling Podcast. The majority of you are men. You need these products. That's why we're giving you 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use code GOMAN. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you. So with that, Chris, let's move on to night two of the WrestleMania 37 Ultimate Preview. We'll start as we did for night one with the equivalent, I guess, of the other celebrity match. We have Sami Zayn against Kevin Owens one-on-one, but there will be an added twist because on SmackDown, we got a red carpet premiere of Sami Zayn's documentary with special guest YouTube megastar, Logan Paul. In this segment, Sammy was hysterical and credit to Logan Paul for hitting all of his lines and playing along well with all of his histrionics and antics. Of course, I'm talking to Sammy there. Zayn invited him to WrestleMania. He accepted. The trailer I thought was fantastic as expected. Zayn tried to get Logan on his side, but Logan said Kevin Owens approached him and told him that Sammy was delusional. Sammy kept on going and Owen stunned Zayn out of nowhere. Then he shoved Paul on his way out. I got to say, It was an entertaining and well-done segment, and I'm not sure how many people caught Owens and Paul and the look they gave each other. Owens later told an interviewer, the stunner can happen to anyone at any time when Zayn attacked him from behind and threw him into a road case. So I also saw an interview really quickly with Owens who basically said, look, is there a lot of build for this match? 
No, we've wrestled each other a thousand times. We're going to wrestle each other a thousand more, but we're about to do it at WrestleMania with Logan Paul joining us, who is a big star outside of WWE. I think all of that needs to be kept in perspective. Yes, this was a rushed build somewhat, but let's not forget, Owens was involved in a main event feud with Roman Reigns for months. Sami Zayn has been telling this documentary story for a long time. Do I wish they had an interaction backstage like last month and then the month prior where Zayn couldn't get through to Owens and then it ended up formulating into this? I do, because that would have been a little bit more of long-term storytelling. But from a Sami Zayn perspective, this is long-term storytelling. So it may be rushed a little bit, but it's Owens and Zayn at WrestleMania. It's Kevin Steen and El Generico, like for you guys who are you know, big independent wrestling fans. This is a damn cool match. And the fact that you have Logan Paul, who I'm not a fan of, but is a draw, the fact that he's involved, it only raises the profile of these two guys. I am extremely excited for the match, Chris. And you can talk about this entire thing, the SmackDown, your prediction for the match. I'm going to have Kevin Owens ultimately win. I think either he turns Logan Paul against Sammy or he ends up stunning both of them. I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Sammy could win. And if they had Sammy win, I have to say, It'd be pretty cool because this storyline with Sammy, it's the best work he's done of his entire career, in my opinion, but it is WrestleMania and the stunner is Owen's signature move. And I think he does come out on top. Yeah. And I got to say, kudos to WWE for actually making the trailer. You know, I wasn't sure they were teasing. They were going to reveal the trailer. I wasn't sure if they were actually going to follow through with it and actually make one. And they did. And it was pretty good. (laughs) I mean, we talked, we just talked about how WWE's, video team is is top notch they turned out a a pretty good conspiracy trailer there for him so i like that and logan paul is just kind of whatever didn't do much but i guess he'll be at wrestlemania so that's cool even though i don't care for him my pick is going to be Sami Zayn, and i think it's because he has something going here and kevin owens has just kind of been floating around ever since the roman reign stuff he's not involved in anything important he doesn't need this win I think, Sam, you know, you look for the spots where a heel could get a win. I think this is one of them. I think this is one where Kevin Owens has nothing to lose. Sami Zayn's got Logan Paul with him. Maybe they try to convince Logan Paul to hang around for a few more weeks like they've done with Bad Bunny. Maybe maybe Kevin Owens fights Logan Paul, you know, coming up or something like that. So I'm going to pick Sami Zayn here because I think he's kind of got some momentum. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it'll be a great match. Obviously, we know these guys. Like I said, fought a thousand times. It'll always be good, but uh, I'm going to go with Sammy. So I see none of that extra stuff happening, but I do think there's a point of Sammy Zayn winning that does make a lot of sense. The only reason I really have Owens winning is he lost all of those matches to Reigns. And I know he doesn't need to get the win back, you know, in this situation because he's over and he's going to be over no matter what. But it just seems weird. Like you want to continue the conspiracy angle. So I think that there's some conspiracy, whether it's with Logan Paul or referee, maybe Logan Paul puts on a referee jersey um, or uniform and then counts for Owens at the end of the match because Sammy berates him at ringside or something like that. That's how I think Sammy's going to get screwed. And I think it's just going to add to his storyline. But I do think no matter what, he gets a lot of shine here. And I do think it's going to be a great match. So that should be a lot of fun. Now, we will have the women's tag team championship match. Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler defending against TBD. We don't know. You know, we don't have to go long on this because we already talked about it. But I do think whoever the challengers are win the titles. I agree. It, it, it's time. I, I've enjoyed Nia and Shayna as the tag team champs. I think Me they've too. actually both been elevated by it. They've both developed more personality out of it. The Reginald stuff's good. I, I like them as the champs, but I, I think it's time for somebody else. 
And I'm curious if we get Nia and Shayna moving into singles. They need to be. There need to be more challengers for these Raw and SmackDown Women's Championships, and they are perfect for those spots. It's unfortunate that Shayna's been on a, like you said, a damn singles losing streak heading into this tag team championship match. It's not exactly how you build the team to be strong, but uh, they're both really talented, and I, I think they'd be good at singles runs, so I expect them to lose the belts. Baszler's on Raw Talk talking about she's going to be the next Raw Women's Champion. She doesn't want a match in like two months, a singles match. Like, it's just insane the way they're treating her. But yes, I, I agree. Uh, this tag team really gave life to both Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. Nia now has Reginald. And they're playing off each other well, so she doesn't really need Shayna. It is time for them to either split up or they can still be frenemies, but not necessarily be in the tag team title picture. You have so many other women that they have had a stranglehold on these titles for a long time. You have to change the titles at WrestleMania. They should have changed it months ago. We talked about it, um, but it needs to happen. So I do hope it's the Riot Squad. I do hope it's a face team. But even if it's Nia and Tamina and they're tr- transitional champions and they just want to give them a shine moment at WrestleMania, kind of like Zack Ryder got a few years ago, I'd be fine with that as well. United States Championship will be on the line. Riddle defending against Sheamus. On Raw, Riddle fought Mustafa Ali in a non-title match. Sheamus tried to give Ali advice before the match, but Riddle ran by in his scooter. This match, though, with Riddle and Ali was a mini banger. It got a good amount of time, probably like eight to ten minutes. Ali got a ton of offense and a couple near falls on Riddle before Riddle caught him midair and hit Bro Derek for the win. That's like every Ali match. Like he looks great, nearly wins, but ultimately the other person goes over. Sheamus was on commentary, but he didn't interfere. It was good mid-card build, I thought, for Riddle and Sheamus for a go-home show. You don't need more than that. It is not a long-term storyline. We wish it had more meat to it, but they told enough on commentary, Sheamus, about, hey, yeah, he didn't get a chance at the WWE Championship, but he's focused on this one. Riddle's obviously his jovial self. I'm excited for it. I could 100% see them changing the title and giving it to Sheamus. There is an argument to be made that he really, really deserves it. Uh, Coming out of the Drew McIntyre feud in particular, Riddle has already been slightly elevated from it. The problem is, if you have Riddle lose the title here, I have no idea what you do with him because he's not ready for the main event from a storyline perspective, even though he's incredibly talented. Sheamus can do whatever without the title. If you want to put it on Sheamus to then, let's say, hopefully, knock on wood, that Keith Lee is healthy and ready to come back, that way you can transition it to Keith Lee in a month or two. That would make a lot of sense. But since I don't know whether Keith Lee is cleared, I'm just going to go with Riddle retaining. He's fun. You think he'd get a really good pop from the audience. And he just won the title recently off Bobby Lashley. I have a retention. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, I thought the, the match on Raw was fun because it was one of the few on Raw that was not a preview of what we're already going to get and what we've already been getting. It was a fresh matchup. It, <laughs> it was a rare one of those. And we don't, honestly don't get many of those at WWE. Usually it's the same people fighting the same people over and over and over. So that was pleasantly enjoyable. As for what this means for the match, man, I don't know. You, you laid it out well. I, I mean... You could see Sheamus winning and then Keith Lee comes back and feuds with Sheamus or the belt. Or you could see Sheamus winning and maybe Riddle and Keith Lee become a tag team and go for the tag team belts because mm-hmm. you said there aren't any tag teams. It, it's tough. We always, a lot of times we make these picks because we try to see what happens next. I, I, I think when you look at the way this is going, Riddle, we don't know if he was supposed to be the champ or not. 
Sheamus was just competing for the WWE Championship. I think, I think they go with Riddle because I don't really know where you go with either of these guys, but you might as well give the new young guys some shine on a WrestleMania stage. I, I think when you, you figure out who's going to get what out of this, I think you could have Riddle win the match here. You could have Sheamus win the title in a month or something like that, or in two weeks or something like that. You I could have Sheamus so. win the title and have Riddle win it back at Money in the Bank or whatever the next pay-per-view is. Like, I don't think you can go wrong, honestly. I think it's going to be – this is going to be a shocker for people who, like, are going in and don't care about this match. This thing's going to bang in a major oh, way. totally. We, we we saw that match on Raw two weeks ago or whatever. They beat the shit out of each other. That's what they're going to do here. Yeah. I, either way, whoever wins, I think you can – there's a lot of good things you can do. with. So, yeah, I, I'm not going to be disappointed whoever wins this match. I, I think in the end – you look at who can get something out of us. I think you give the young guy a moment at WrestleMania because you don't know when that chance is going to come around the next time. So I guess I'll pick Riddle. It's tough, though. I agree. I think the key is that no matter who comes out of this match, it needs to be strong. I don't want to see a schmoz. If Sheamus wins, I don't want some distraction bullshit. I want a bro kick and a one, two, three. If Riddle wins, I want bro Derek or another one of his finishers and the one, two, three or a submission or something like that. I want it definitive. I want this person, whoever ends up winning, to get the shine and prove that they're a deserving champion. Don't give me any bullshit here. Because this match, I have a feeling, was going to be too good where anything like that would really knock it down a peg. So I have very high hopes and high expectations for this. I don't really have much of a doubt that it's going to deliver. And it's one of two mid-card matches, we're going to talk about the other one right now, that just could deliver in such a significant way that people are like, hey, yeah, the main event was great, this was this, but did you see that Riddle and Sheamus match? And, And I hope that they live up to that expectation. The other is the Intercontinental title match. Big E defending against Apollo Crews in a Nigerian drum fight. Crews challenged Big E to this match, which is basically no holds barred. They didn't really explain how it's different in any way. There was a lot of energy in his promo, and Crews sold it really well, even if it wasn't too detailed. I saw a lot of people getting on him about the accent again. This is what I'm going to say. When he's conversational with it, it sounds fine. When he yells, it accentuates the fact that it's not natural for him. But regardless, it's legitimate. I saw people uh, tweeting online uh, that it's very authentic in terms of like the hand mannerisms and the some of the phraseology that he used was very authentic Nigerian. So I appreciate that attention to detail. And obviously it's his culture, so he would keep to it. As far as this match, this is one of the matches on the card where I have no idea because this is how we need to look at it, Chris. And I'll let you pick first. But on one hand, Apollo Crews has already lost three or four, depending how you want to count it, title matches or or matches, singles matches to Big E. On the other hand, Big E is super over. He's been a very good intercontinental champion. And the whole goal we thought of putting him singles was to eventually elevate him into the main event. So there's two minds of it. One is you take the title off of him here. It's a stipulation match for the challenger. So he should have all of the advantage and know what to do. You could debut someone. Someone tweeted me, I'm sorry, I'm not giving you credit. Omas is actually Nigerian. Wouldn't it be freaking cool if Omas and AJ Styles lose, they break up, and Omas ends up becoming Apollo Crews' bodyguard and helps him beat Big E and win the Intercontinental Championship on SmackDown? I think that would be a really cool piece of booking, a great way to solidify him as a heel, and a great excuse to take the title off Big E. But then you have Big E again, who you're trying to elevate into this main event picture. Two things need to happen. One, he needs to look strong whenever possible. WrestleMania is the best time to look strong. But the other is he needs to lose the title. So now that I've laid all of that out for you, Chris, what the hell is going to happen in this match? Yeah, it, 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 the, the, and the other factor is that this is 
the first moment in front of the crowd for a lot of these people. This is the first time Drew McIntyre will be in a championship match or could win the championship in front of a crowd. This is the first time Big E will be Intercontinental Champion in front of the crowd. This will be the first time right. this this iteration of Roman Reigns will be in front of a crowd. And it's like you, you kind of want to give them these All moments. Like, yeah, you want everyone to win, actually. <laughs> yeah. Is the truth. Ba- basically, basically. So it's, it's like you, you, you the ones who lose, you want to make sure it happens in a way where they're not damaged as a character and that there will be opportunities to get those moments back. I obviously they're going into, I guess a Thunderdome at the Sundome or the youngling center in Tampa after WrestleMania. So who knows when crowds will actually be part of that. So man, it's tough. It, it, it's tough. It's tough. I keep saying this for every damn match because it is. And honestly, that's interesting. It makes this whole card interesting. It makes this match interesting. I guess I'm going to pick Apollo because I don't think he can lose this many times in a row. And I think they know that I, I, I Biggie can Biggie will not be hurt by losing this. He can get it back. He's been in front of crowds. He's hosted WrestleMania. He's had big moments in front of the crowd. People know who he is. Apollo needs a moment. I think they go with Apollo. So before I give my prediction, I found the tweet that we were talking about. It was Jeremy Smith at Jeremy Smith show. He basically, I'm trying to find it here. He said, uh, it occurs that WWE has an avenue to really enhance Apollo Crews coming out of Mania. The Nigerian Prince is feuding with Big E, while the rest of New Day is feuding with Styles and Omos. It wouldn't take much booking for Big E to help New Day keep the titles on night one. And if Omos cost Big E the Intercontinental title on night two, that could send Omos to SmackDown to pair with Apollo post-Mania. That would be a great look for both. Also, it would move AJ out of the comedy role. So yeah, credit to Jeremy Smith for that. Again, yeah, the fact that Omos is Nigerian-born and they're doing this storyline, it makes so much sense. Now, I don't know if that's going to happen, right? But first of all, mad credit to him if that's the booking. That would be fantastic. If it's not, and credit to WWE if that's the booking, because that is a genius piece of booking. On the other hand, man, I don't know how you have Biggie, this guy that you have purposely separated into a singles wrestler, lose the intercontinental title at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. I'm really 50-50 on this. It is the toughest thing for me. But I'm going to side with you. I think you actually convinced me. <laughs> I think Apollo Crews is going to win the IC title at WrestleMania. And for people who say that WWE, if this happens, continuously waste talent. And once you don't win something, you never have a chance. Apollo Crews is the paradigm. He was he did nothing for like four years in WWE. They elevated him as a face on Raw. They showed that he had something. Now they gave him an entirely new character to sink his teeth into on SmackDown. And he looks like a million dollars and is doing an incredible job. So credit to them. Very excited for both of them to have this match. Uh, Talk about representation, a great thing for, you know, two black guys to have this match, two black women to have a a match on night one. It's so cool. Uh, You also have a black man, obviously, and Bobby Lashley main eventing with um, Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. So, and that's just, you know, I mean, there's plenty of other ethnicities and, um, countries of origin across uh, the entire two-night show. So just fantastic stuff. I think Cruz comes out and wins. And it's a big moment if that happens. And it's a big way for WWE to get behind a guy who has a brand new character and a new lease on his WWE life. And that is pretty damn cool. Uh, We also have the Fiend Bray Wyatt against Randy Orton, one-on-one. Chris, this is super weird, I have to say, because... 
This match has been building for months. Legitimately months. It's been what Randy Orton has been doing since he lost to Drew McIntyre. Like, I think before even 2021 began. I don't remember when that It was right, right before Survivor Series. Right before Survivor Series. So since basically November. And the last few weeks, you know, The Fiend came back and it was pretty cool at Fastlane. And he's now burned and, and melting and all this type of stuff. We get to a go-home Raw. First of all, two weeks ago, nothing happened. Then we get to a go-home Raw, and they do nothing. They air a video package. This shit has main-evented, like, half of the Raws over the last, like, four or five months or so. And they do nothing. They air a video package. They don't announce a stipulation. There's no confrontation. There's no promo. Nothing freaking happened on the go-home show for one of your longest-term storylines. Maybe the longest term storyline across both nights of WrestleMania. I don't know what we're going to get. Maybe they just surprise us and do a stipulation match without promoting it. But I have no earthly idea why they wouldn't do a cinematic match and why they wouldn't promote a cinematic match. Yeah, I was waiting. That that was the only thing we were waiting for was announce a Firefly Funhouse match or something like that. So I, I don't know if Something changed. I don't know if they did something and it didn't work and they had to pull it because these were pre-taped. I I don't know. I was very, very surprised. I don't think it matters in the end because there was no no more building you could do to this when you've already burned somebody alive and, and you're infecting someone with black goo and shooting fireballs at them. This couldn't go any other level. I'm just surprised they didn't set the table in a more clear way. They just kind of recapped everything and gave us a video package. So that was that, that was the surprise. It's not the biggest deal in the world. Again, for, for those reasons I just said, we, we, did, we didn't need a ton more. We just needed to kind of put the final bow on it. And they didn't do that. So I don't know what this means for Sunday. I don't know if this means we're getting a cinematic match inside Randy Morton's head or if we're getting a regular ass singles match and there's going to be projections of bugs on the ring. I, I I don't know. So it's disappointing to not know that going in. I still have extremely high hopes for this and high expectations considering what they did a year ago. Um, but yeah, it's a disappointing way to go into WrestleMania. And for the pick, it's it's got to be The Fiend. I, I mean, this feels like it should be one of the most obvious matches to pick on the entire card. He's been gone for... Four months now, you know, he he won the Firefly Funhouse match last year. This These are the situations in which Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton, uh, sorry, Bray Wyatt, the Fiend, gets his wins. Uh, Randy's been great, but he it's, it's kind of been set up for him to lose this for a while. Alexa Bliss has been amazing, carrying her load of this for the last four months. Randy's been great leading up to it. Everybody involved has been great, except for except for commentary, as I've said right. <laughs> for several weeks on this. But uh, the pick is going to be The Fiend, and I, I hope I hope what we got on Monday is not a sign of a letdown. I agree. And if it is, then that's going to be a massive disappointment. I do ultimately think this will either be a cinematic match or they will do cinematic things in and around the ring to make it special in some way. But it's just weird that you would do all of that without first noting that there's no rules, like it's no holds barred or that, you know, there's no referee, or, you know, or, or I don't even know how you could kind of couch it, but you kind of need to say that this is going to be an abnormal match because you don't just want them 
wrestling singles. Like you don't want each to have an entrance and then just have a regular wrestling match with a referee calling one, two, three. It doesn't make any sense. Terrible. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. So it's strange that they haven't built it in any way. Maybe we'll get something on the go home show, even though it's on SmackDown. But yeah, it's like they had this great feud and then they just gave up. I mean, look, God forbid, maybe something happened to one of them, like from an illness perspective or whatever. And maybe they have to cancel it. So they didn't want to build it too much or someone wasn't available to be on Raw suddenly out of nowhere. But yeah, uh, I'm slightly concerned about it. No matter what, Bray Wyatt, if it happens, has to win. There's no question. really. Yeah, I mean, I I, I don't know, because the, the, the reason they did cinematic matches last year was largely because of um, they had to change on the fly and had to do they couldn't do matches in a stadium. I hope they're not too concerned that a cinematic match in a stadium won't go over well. Uh, you know, if everybody has to watch it on the screen or something, I think that'd be okay. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what they have planned. And it's kind of weird that they didn't tell us what they have planned. It is like, again, this is the longest term storyline building to WrestleMania. And the last two weeks have been basically nothing. That you That's when you hammer it home. Like you do that big boom. This is what we're going to do. And then everyone's like, oh, yeah, Firefly Funhouse. We loved that last year. Can't wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then they don't do it. Maybe, maybe one of the reasons they're not doing a full cinematic match is because there's a crowd and they don't right. want to like jip them out of not seeing whatever it is. But still, again, there could be a stipulation that made sense and or even just a special name for the match where you wonder what the hell is this going to be, which is what Firefly Funhouse was. You have to remember last year. We didn't know what to expect. They could have done the same thing and done it in and around the ring or in and around Raymond James Stadium and had it be really interesting. So, look, we'll see what they do. Um, my anticipation for it. I know some people hate this feud and they hate The Fiend. I, I like it. I, mean, and I don't I, get it. I, you, you say it every week that there's people who hate it. They hate I, it. I do not they get it. They hate it viscerally. But I don't. And I'm excited. And I think, like you said, all of them have done really well. All right. Let's get to, I guess this is technically the co-main event, the Raw Women's Championship Asuka defending her title against Rhea Ripley. So on Raw, we had Asuka and Ripley against Nia Jax and Shayna Baszler. And I said my piece about this last week. I'm not going to repeat myself too much. This is lazy, repetitive women's booking, putting (laughs) singles title challengers in a tag team out of nowhere. Can they They coexist? Can they coexist? They also should have saved Ripley's debut as a member of the Raw roster for WrestleMania. If it's good enough for Omos, it's definitely good enough for Rhea Ripley. But anyway, the match was actually, and you may disagree, the best thing to happen in the first third of Raw. Raw was not very good on Monday night. This match was good. And I love the finish. Ripley pushed Asuka off the top rope and then brutalized her outside, feeding her to Baszler for the one, two, three. It was a great way to firmly establish Ripley as the heel, opposed to it being a minor disagreement, a skirmish, or a surprise loss that suddenly has them at odds. Asuka got pinned, but she got the shit kicked out of her by her WrestleMania opponent, and it made Ripley look really strong, conniving, and heelish. So I hated the booking of doing the tag team match. They could have done this exact same type of finish in a singles match, Asuka against Baszler, where you allow Baszler to get a win, the stuff that we've been talking about. But the way they booked it made a lot of sense. So I got to give them credit for that. We already talked earlier in the show about how this is basically their third choice for a women's championship match at WrestleMania. But in terms of last minute build, again, didn't like the initial booking, appreciated the storytelling and the finish at the end of this match. 
Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna do, if you're gonna team them up, heading it right before WrestleMania, this is the way you do it. You got to make it physical and brutal. It can't be someone leaves their opponent out to dry and they lose the match and they're all upset that they lost the match. No, the fact that Rhea Ripley and Asuka lost the match on Monday is not what mattered. What mattered was that Rhea beat the crap out of her a week, but week out of their match. So they, they booked it well. I, I didn't have to be in that situation, but in that situation, they played it out the way it needed to be played out. Um, I, I, Rhea Ripley as the heel is tough for me to get around because we just we haven't seen her very much because things got thrown together at the last second and really i don't watch nxt so the last time i'd really seen rhea ripley was as the face last year going into the charlotte match so this was a good way to kind of set that up so i thought they played it well and i think this is going to be a great match what do you think is going to happen it's a good question because WWE has an opportunity to firmly plant their foot and say, you know, we still love the horsewomen. We still love Asuka, but we are putting some shine on fresh faces in the women's division. We're going to have Bianca Belair and Rhea Ripley, two top prospects from NXT that when they were in NXT, all of us were saying they're the future of the women's division. WWE has an opportunity to make them the present of the women's division. Now, there's something to be said for Asuka, who we know is you know, arguably one of the top two women, <laughs> you know, with Sasha Banks being the other one wrestling in the United States right now. Um, I, you know, I, again, I always kind of say there's people and great talent in stardom and there's great people in NXT as well. But man, Asuka and Sasha are both really special. So having both of them lose at WrestleMania, where you know fans love Asuka and they love Sasha Banks and Asuka has not had a meaningful singles opponent for her title. Since November, truly, I don't even I think she defended on TV to like Lana one time yeah, since. Yeah. And she was obviously supposed to lose it to Evans, which people would have hated. But it's really tough to have Asuka, this woman who largely carried Raw from a women's perspective for a year, lose at WrestleMania. But there's really there's really no shame in Rhea Ripley winning this. The other thing to consider is like Asuka lost to Charlotte Flair all those times, you know, that one time at Mania. I don't think she has a Mania win. Maybe she does with the Kabuki Warriors, but it feels like she's never won a Mania match. I, I could be wrong. Maybe you can look it up while we're talking. But I, I think if you're having this match, given how long Asuka's had the title, given the fact that you were about to debut Rhea Ripley on the Raw after WrestleMania, you cannot have Rhea Ripley lose this match. You can have Bianca Belair lose. Like she's won enough and she's strong enough where it would make sense. I disagree on that. I don't think you can put Rhea Ripley in this match and just have her straight up take, a, you know, an arm bar or an Oscar lock and just tap out. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I disagree that uh, that uh, Bianca Belair can lose this match. I, I don't think she can lose this match. That's why I have her uh, winning it, um, winning that match. And, and this one, for the same reason, I think it's got to be Rhea... For, for for that reason, Asuka loses nothing by losing. She lost. Didn't she lose a couple weeks ago to somebody or some some situation? I thought she lost. And she Asuka got pinned this week by by um, Sheena Baszler. Right. No, I, I meant a couple weeks ago. I, I may be thinking of somebody else. I don't remember exactly what it was. But Asuka can lose this match. Nia Jax, be pinned, Nia Jax pinned her a couple weeks That's ago. That's what it was. That's what it was. That's what it was. So, um, yeah, pick is Rhea for what you said. This is... 
this is a time to 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 put over the new young star. We saw her. It, it was a travesty that she lost that match to Charlotte last year, even with the way things played out. Didn't like how that whole thing worked. Um, so Rhea Ripley's the pick here. And I, I'm just picturing you, you were talking about like the four horsewomen in the future of the women's division and, and whatnot. I'm just picturing, imagine a Survivor Series 2021 when you've got the four horsewomen versus Rhea and Bianca. And maybe you bring up two people from NXT, you pick two other women. I, I think if you do like a, a, a current versus future of WWE women, eight man, eight woman tag team match would be absolutely awesome. I, I think the depth that they have on the women's roster is, in, is, is incredibly strong, which is what makes stuff like the women's tag buildup so frustrating. Uh, but the, the pick is Rhea here now that she's going to be on Raw full time. Asuka will be totally fine. Um, you could probably get two, three matches out of these two um, and, and move forward. So the, the pick is Rhea. And then last but not least, the main event of main events Ooh. of night two, the Universal Championship on the line, Roman Reigns defending against 2021 Royal Rumble winner Edge and ultimate fan favorite Daniel Bryan. On SmackDown, WWE ran a fantastic promo package opening the show, and Edge was back in his rated R gear, calling Bryan an opportunist and a manipulator. He said he snapped because he finally woke up and is the man and Hall of Famer that Reigns and Bryan both wish they were. Edge went apoplectic and was on absolute fire. It's the best he sounded since winning the Royal Rumble. Obviously, he cut great promos ahead of last year's WrestleMania and after last year's WrestleMania. But since the Royal Rumble, it was by far his best promo. And it was a great opening for the show. I thought he was awesome, Chris. Yep, th- this is great. The idea of returning to Rated R Superstar, explaining why he's so pissed off, realizing that he earned this moment and Daniel Bryan's going to try to swoop in and take it from him, pisses him off. This is awesome. Every, everything about this everything about this has been awesome, and it was no different uh, on, on last Friday. And then in the main event, we got Daniel Bryan against Jey Uso in a street fight. Setting it up, Paul Heyman made sure with Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville that Jay could not be held responsible for what he did to Brian. Edge later told them he'd be on commentary, and Heyman tried to manipulate him in gorilla position, but Edge wasn't having it. Reigns and Heyman sat on stage during the match. There were a lot of weapons used, and it was an exciting main event between Brian and Uso. Not a surprise, really. Uh, Brian beat Jay to hell with a chain and won with the yes lock. He immediately hit Edge in the commentary chair with a running knee, which is really cool, and then ran him into the post... <laughs> Four times. Then he dodged a thrown desk chair by Reigns, hit the running knee on the stage on the ramp, and locked him in the yes lock. I thought that was totally a Drew McIntyre, Brock Lesnar moment from Raw last year, where you remember McIntyre hit the Claymore on Brock three times and stood tall at the end. And you're like, holy shit, he eliminated him from the Royal Rumble. He just beat the shit out of him with the Claymore. Like they're going all the way behind Drew McIntyre. It felt the same to me. Brian looking that strong and it not being the go-home show, mind you. I really think there's a possibility they book Brian, who we thought was going to be in this match to take the fall. I either think that he might win or if not, I have to give them a massive amount of credit to make him not look like the guy who's going to take the fall. For them to build this match, we're going into it, Chris, and you can talk about what happened on SmackDown. I think any of these three can win and the booking will work for any of these three winning. 
every week they get better with this stuff. I don't know how they're going to top what they did at the end of SmackDown last Friday, but I think they could. I mean, this was unbelievable. So Brian wins. He's staring down Roman, and you're fully expecting, oh, Edge is going to come hit him from behind, and then we're going to get a beat down, blah, blah, blah. And then, nope, we get Brian just being like, nope, fuck it. I'm turning around, going after Edge, beating the crap out of Edge, chasing after Roman. He is on fire. Everything in this is on fire. It's like you said, Drew McIntyre. It, it, it's so. It's not often you get the face built up to be strong, and that's why I've, I really liked face champion McIntyre is that he wasn't stupid. He was just going to go kick ass because that's all he wanted to do. And that's what Dan O'Brien did here. He's not He's not playing coy. He's not being dumb, getting sucker punched by somebody. He knows how this works, and he's taking advantage of the situation. I said last week that uh, the promo Brian cut really showed how different this was from WrestleMania 30 in 2014 when Brian was the underdog in the triple threat match. He wanted his shot. He's bringing the the crowd in to help convince people to give him that shot. This time, that's not the case. This time, he's saying he deserves the shot. He knows he deserves the shot. He earned the shot. He gets the shot, and then he takes it to the other two people. He's not sitting around letting it happen. He's taking it to them. I love this so much. I am more excited for this match. I don't know the last time I was this excited for a match. It, it, it's been absolute fire every single week. I can't wait to see what the go-home segment is. I don't know if you can do a three-man pull-apart brawl or something like that, but man, I fully expect them to set us up with an even better go-home on Friday. Loved everything about this last week. Loved every, I've loved every single step of this. It's perfect. It's perfect. So I think a good way to describe this is I've never been, or, or recently, have not been more excited for a match where I don't know the outcome. Because yeah, for, yeah. for WrestleMania 35... I was very excited for Kofi Daniel Bryan because yeah. it was obvious that Kofi Kingston was going to win. I was really excited for the women's triple threat because it was obvious that Becky Lynch was going to win. I don't know who's going to win this match. Now, you would think it's obvious that Edge is going to win. Like, you have him win the Royal Rumble. He's a big star. Reigns has been dominant. So who else better, right, to beat Roman Reigns? But you're in front of a crowd. Roman Reigns is your golden calf. He's the guy who you have been trying to get over as a face for years and been unsuccessful. And you've been trying to do it at WrestleMania and been unsuccessful. And now you have him as the hottest heel in all of professional wrestling right now, any brand, any country. And you have a chance to put him over as that heel. And I don't see how WWE doesn't do that. But... I also don't see how you have Edge in this match and have him win the Royal Rumble and have him not be champion. I'm starting to not see how you, and excuse not see, it sounds, I don't know, you know, you know what I'm saying. Um, I don't see how you build Daniel Bryan up to this level so close to WrestleMania and have him lose. So Chris, I'm going to ask three questions and it's okay if your answers are all different. Sure. Okay. Who should WWE book to win? Who will WWE book to win? And if you were booking, who would you have win? I'll take these in reverse order. If I was booking, I would I would have Dana Bryan win. Um, who should win? It should be 
Roman. But who will win? I think it's going to be Edge. <laughs> I think it's a different answer for all three. Yeah. I think it's WrestleMania. You end with with smiles on faces. You end with a guy who will be cheered holding up high. I know that hasn't been the case sometimes with Roman, but that's the idea. That's why they make these decisions. I don't they don't want Roman to be cheered. I think if Roman wins, he will be cheered. I, I, I think people love what he's doing. And I, I'm one of the most one of the things I'm most looking forward to in this whole show. Wait, I want to I want to pa- I want to react- pause you. I want to yeah. pause you. So they don't want Roman to get cheered. I agree. But what we talked about when the idea of turning Reigns heel was approached, you know, or I've been talking about it for years for long term listeners. And we've talked about it a little bit on this show is the best way to book someone as a monster face is to have them be a truly hated heel and then turn them or turn the crowd on them and allow them to lean into it. If Reigns was to win and get cheered, I don't think they would hate it. I think Vince McMahon, maybe not in the moment, but like reflecting on it, would have such a smile on his face (laughs) because he's gotten this guy face. Finally, it's like when they tried to turn Becky Lynch heel, but the fans revolted and cheered her. Get the fans against you and get them to cheer this freaking guy who you've been trying to get them to cheer for years and you finally made him heal. You can keep him in this persona, keep him as an asshole, but start to slowly add a little drops of a good guy or yeah. good intentions. Uh, yeah. Things like Jimmy you know, coming back and saying, Roman, like our family got out of all this issue and thank you so much for being head of the table. All this, these types of things that you can do. So I just wanted to pause you there. I'll let you continue with your thought. But I don't know that it would be the worst thing if he gets cheered at the end of the match. If he gets cheered going into the match, I agree that's bad. Yeah, well, that, that's that's what I'm... One of the things I'm most looking forward to is what is the reaction on his entrance? Is it going to be cheers? Is it going to be booze? I think it's going to be booze, but I think it's going to be like the respectful booze like you get in NXT. I think people are going to buy into it, especially since it's a let, probably less of a smarky crowd. Um, but And I agree that if... Roman wins and the fans are cheering and part of Vince will like that. I just, I don't think this is the time to do that. Whenever they pull the trigger to make him face again, it's, it's going to work. But I think if you, you've got Dana Bryan as a face, you've got Edge as a tweener, who's always going to get cheers. I think you don't want people cheering Roman right now. I think Edge wins this as that in-between guy who's going to get cheered no matter what. They're not going to boo Edge. I think we end the, end the night with Edge as the champion in what I think is going to be a lights out match because WWE does triple threats really well. And do you think Edge gets booed by the fans? No, I do not think Edge gets booed by the fans. I I think, I think honestly, I think for the most part, fans are going to just cheer anyway because they got to have a WrestleMania and be right. there and there's going to be general positive vibes. We're going to be thinking less about the booking. I think it's going to be one, everybody loves Edge. He's back. He's got his moment. We'll cheer for that. And we're also going to cheer that we just, we had WrestleMania. So, Okay. I'm going to take these also in the reverse order I gave them to you. Who would I book to win? I would book Daniel Bryan to win. Um, From my perspective, what you said really rings true. You want the last moment of the first WrestleMania, you know, with a reduced stadium after a year of no fans at shows. You want to end that with people freaking happy. And I think the happiest you can make people 
is Daniel Bryan winning the title again at WrestleMania in this circumstance? That's how I would book it. It just overcoming the adversity. Um, you know, he and Edge at the very end of the match could team up to take out Reigns. Then Daniel Bryan hits Edge with the running knee where he gets the yes lock. He gets Edge to tap. They end up having a feud coming out of that where Edge can be a full heel. Reigns moves on to something else for a while without the title. Then you have an Edge-Daniel Bryan feud, which it feels like they're building an Edge-Daniel Bryan feud. Now, mm-hmm. that could only be just to get Daniel Bryan in this match, but it could also be for the feud coming out of it where you have Daniel Bryan win here, and then two months from now, you have Edge take the title off of him because Bryan doesn't really need the title, and you kind of just want to give him that moment. Bryan has said, you know, this may be my last WrestleMania, or at least his last WrestleMania as a full-time performer. Fans love this guy. You have him in the main event. You don't have to book him to win. But I think it's your best possible outcome. So that's who I would book to win. As far as who should win, the answer really for me is Roman Reigns. I think you said Edge for this, right? No, uh, should should is Roman. Okay, so we're on the same page. So we're on the same same page. page. Yep. So Roman Reigns should win for every reason I talked about earlier. He it's been taking WWE such a long time to build this guy into something that is either which they thought would be a face, like a great face that fans would love and he'd have the John Cena impact. But instead, they have found a monster heel. And you want to end WrestleMania with people cheering and maybe they would cheer if Reigns won, but a visceral boo. People hating that Reigns got put over while simultaneously others booing the fact that he's a monster heel and he came out of this match by beating a huge face in Daniel Bryan and another tweener maybe or leaning heel and edge. It cements him in that role where whoever you do ultimately want to put over him, whether it's Brian down the line, whether it's Big E, it only serves that person better. And again, there's a chance he gets cheered and maybe they lean in that direction. So that is really who should win. Roman Reigns should come out of this. And the fact that Daniel Bryan is in the match, it gives Edge an out to do this without losing. As far as who will win, that's where we're going to disagree. I don't think Edge is going to win. I don't know if this is WWE changing their booking, but or or if it's been planned this way the entire time. There were reports that Daniel Bryan got thrown into the match because Vince thought that uh, Roman would get cheered and, and they needed to change that. I, I don't know, but I think Daniel Bryan's going to win the title for Ooh. all of the reasons I said. I think you have a packed stadium. Well, not packed, but capacity as it's being allowed. It's your first show with fans. I don't think you want people booing at the end of the show. And maybe they would cheer Edge. It's a 50-50 proposition. I think it's like a 10% to 25% chance they would boo, uh, cheer Roman Reigns randomly because you want them to boo. But there's a 100% chance that two years after Daniel Bryan was viscerally, I know I've used that word three times, booed on his way to the ring to fight Kofi Kingston, that he this crowd could erupt if he wins the title. I do think the go-home show will tell us a little bit more about who might win. It'll provide some keys. And that's why we're going to have that WrestleMania 37 go-home edition of this podcast Friday night after SmackDown. But I think they're going to book Daniel Bryan to win this whole thing. And I don't mind if I'm wrong. It just feels like that is what's going to happen. Based on the booking, what I've seen on TV, I think Daniel Bryan's going to win the title at WrestleMania. It could happen. Like you said, any of these guys could win. It would make sense. I'd be happy with any of these guys winning. It's it's I can see it. I can see Dan O'Brien, who's 
Still probably the biggest star the company has mainstream-wise. Everybody knows who Dan O'Brien is. Everybody knows the yes chance and everything like that. It certainly would not be a bad decision. I don't think I don't think there's any bad decisions here. I just think Edge winning the Rumble, you know, old guy on his last run, casual fans who maybe hadn't been watching. He'll get he'll get cheered. Edge will get cheered uh, if he wins. Um, I, I, I think I think they go with Edge. I think that was the plan all along, and I, I don't think they deviate from it. But, man, they have done such a good job with this. Whether or not whatever was the plan, you know, we remember at Elimination Chamber, it seemed like they threw something together. Dan O'Brien fought his way into this, earned his way into this, earned his way to making you think he could win this and would be a deserving champion coming out of this. Um, I just don't see it happening. But man, credit to everybody who has been involved in this feud because this has been absolute fire. This is this is Kofi Kingston, Dan O'Brien hot. This is Ronda Rousey, Becky Lynch hot. And for that to happen in a pandemic with no crowd, with, with, with no adjustments based on what people like, they've nailed every single step of this. And it's been an absolute joy to watch. And I can't wait for one more go home before we get into the match. Just remember that if Daniel Bryan does win, now it may not have been the exact storyline that I called, but you can remember that the Silver King called it six months ago, that Daniel Bryan was going to win in the main event of WrestleMania. And maybe, hey, maybe that's why that's my prediction, because I just want it to be so true. So I can Barry I, no, I, I, fool I, Barry I, Horowitz myself. You've been you've been on it in the long term. This, this has been a long term bet. I don't I completely understand riding it out to the very end you've been you've been through it uh you've been on it so far what's one what's one more weekend right like it's it's like when you like in the preseason pick a team to win the national championship and they actually get in the national championship Mm -hmm. and you're like well i'm not gonna bet on the other team now even though i think they might win i'm going all the way with my bet so that is definitely uh the way i'm leaning so the only thing to talk about that is really our wrestlemania 37 ultimate preview the only thing to talk about that's left is our pre-show expectation grade we do not need chris to spend a lot of time on it but I got to tell you, I'm right between a B plus and an A minus. And the reason why I kind of want to say A minus, but I'm not going to because it's so tough to get into that A range, especially for a WrestleMania when you have so many matches and so many potential points of failure. And also, as we mentioned, only half the matches have actually been built in a significant way where you truly care about them. But what I think WWE saving grace with this WrestleMania is going to be is the fact that it's two nights. Yep. These WrestleManias have gotten so freaking long that even shows that have started out exceptionally hot and in not counting last year, prior, the last couple prior years, the first like four matches, they go on and you're like, oh my God, this may be the best WrestleMania of all time by the time it's over. And it doesn't get there. And it's a combination of fans getting tired and the matches, maybe some of the results not living up to expectation. Like the WrestleMania 35 main event was great, you know, in some ways, but the finish was botched and it was it was like after midnight and people were exhausted. This splitting it up into two nights, making it this big of a deal, the fans you you were expecting to be have so much energy from not being able to go to sporting events, period, not just WrestleMania events. I think this is going to be ultimately a great show. I will go with a B plus as my expectation grade. Of course, we will give final grades in our instant analysis Sunday night after WrestleMania. But Chris, what's your expectation grade? I'm going to go with A minus, and it's exactly what you just laid out there. It, it's because we only have two seven match cards as opposed to one 15, 15 match, match card. card. Right. Yeah. So I, I, I think they will pace it well. 
And they've been really good at pay-per-views throughout the pandemic here. And, and I, I think they will continue that. They, they've generally been keeping things short and sweet. I think they're going to go all out to make sure this is really good. Um, they're going to the, 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 start off with great matches. Everything's going to be thought down to the last detail because they want to nail this event. So I actually have A-. minus, and, and part of that is we just went through the picks is that I don't know where I, I'm excited because I don't know where a lot of yeah. things are going to go. So there's a lot of like mis, there's a lot more mystery in this WrestleMania than I think a lot of times we get with these. We usually figure, hey, story was built well. I'm excited, but I know who's going to win. This is the opposite. The builds haven't been all good, but that also means you could see both both wrestlers winning pretty much half half of these matches. So it's not more. Yeah. That, that actually leads to more intrigue for me. So I end up, I end up going a minus I'm going big on this WrestleMania uh, expectation. I I think they're going to nail it. And, and I, and and that's why I'm going with a minus. I also think it's, you know, we, they always say the line best for business, but it's actually, it's best for business this year. If they truly nail this WrestleMania. And that's one of the reasons why, some of the build has been so disappointing. It It's because this is a really big event. Yeah. And I don't know that people are understanding how big it is because there's going to be a lot of eyes on it. We're still at the very end of the pandemic, which is great. By the way, don't forget to get your vaccines and wear your masks. Um, but this is like the entree into people who may have started watching WWE again because there hasn't been too much on, even though sports is back. Or they're considering it or they're just tuning in because – you know, it's a week where not much else is happening, you know, except for the Masters. If you happen to love golf, you're watching that. So I think it's an opportunity for WWE to kind of say, hey, fans are back. I know many of you weren't watching because fans left. We're still, you know, we're here, damn it. And we're going to give you a damn good show. You need to watch, you know, the Raw after WrestleMania because that's always awesome. And you need to watch SmackDown on Fox. Like they want to, they need to give their fans, people who have stopped watching and all of the people who with Peacock are able to watch it for free, many Xfinity subscribers. They have like 33 million people who technically have Peacock access. All these people who could just say, oh, wow, WrestleMania. Okay, I'll watch that. I haven't seen that in a long time to to get these people again. And it's a huge opportunity. It would really be a shame if they missed it with bad booking or bad matches or making some wrong you know, storytelling decisions. But I think it's so important. And the SmackDown side, at least, you know, 50% of it should at least be booked really well that I think it's going to have a really hard time falling anything below a B minus. And I think the expectation, your expectation, the listener going in should really be anywhere from a B to an A minus. Like that's the range of which I think this pay-per-view will ultimately fall. And if it does, then I do think it'll be a success. Even a B WrestleMania is usually a solid WrestleMania, but they do need to really hit that B plus or A minus territory. And we will be able to talk about that on our WrestleMania 37 instant analysis Sunday, immediately after night two, goes off the air. Now, as far as what's behind us and what's ahead, just a reminder, one more time, last Saturday, this past Saturday, I should say, we had our NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver Ultimate Preview. The Silver King covered both nights and every single match on the show. Part of that episode is an interview with Santos Escobar, the NXT Cruiserweight Champion that you need to listen to. Make sure you hear that show as soon as you can. Also on Monday, we had a very special WrestleMania 37 interview episode where the Silver King sat down with Drew McIntyre and Bianca Belair, each of them one-on-one for what I think are a couple of great interviews. It's a very short episode. It's only about like 30 or 40 minutes. So you can easily knock that out. As far as what's to come, 
on Thursday, we will be back with NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver Instant Analysis covering both nights of that show in one episode. On Friday night, immediately after SmackDown goes off the air, you'll have a very special WrestleMania 37 go-home edition of the podcast where we're going to wrap up some of these storylines. Banks and uh, Belair, the triple threat main event for the Universal Championship. We'll see what happens along with the matches that actually happen on SmackDown. We will give our final thoughts ahead of WrestleMania. And then after night two of WrestleMania goes off the air, we will have instant analysis of WrestleMania 37 Sunday night. Now, in between all of those things, there is a chance that we have a couple live audio shows. They could be pre-shows for some of these events. They could be post-shows, for example, night one of TakeOver or night one of WrestleMania. If the Silver King, Chris Vanini, if we have the energy, we may just pop onto our Twitter account at Getting Overcast and do a very short, Chris, we'll have to keep it really short, 15, 20 minute live incident analysis, first thoughts, um, and almost teasing our actual incident analysis episodes. So the way that you can hear those shows, the only way is to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. I also think that you need to have an iOS or Android, the Twitter app on either of them to listen. You may be able to listen to on desktop also, I'm not sure, but make sure you have one of those Twitter apps to listen as well. Um, so those are all possibilities, but the only way you can do it is by following us at Getting Overcast. You also want to follow us there for pre and post show polls. You can share your expectation grades for TakeOver Stand and Deliver and WrestleMania 37. I've yet to decide if we're going to do each night or if we're just going to do one poll that you know, last maybe five or six hours before the beginning of night one for both shows. But we'll figure that out. We will also have post-show grades. That's how you can contribute to this podcast by letting us know what you think about TakeOver Stand and Deliver and WrestleMania 37 with our post-show polls after those go off the air. So you have every reason to listen to Getting Over this week. You have every reason to follow us on Twitter at Getting Overcast. And the last request is to Remember, it's all about the five. Head on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating. Silver King, Adam Silverstein, Vintage, Chris Benini are working hard for you this week. And we hope you listen to this entire smorgasbord of professional wrestling audio content that we are laying out on the table for you. So with that, the Silver King is going to bid you adieu. This is the end of the WrestleMania 37 Ultimate Preview. Do not forget about all those shows we have already in the books and coming up this week. With all of that said, I'm going to leave you with three final words. Bye for now.